0: Welcome to the Powerful Employees Podcast. I'm Jessica Powers, your host, and I have the amazing Tyler Kilbert with me today. And I'm super excited to not only have someone that is super influential and passionate in our industry, a part of the podcast, but someone I call a really great friend. And welcome to the first ever episode. Of Powerful and Poised. And I'll just let you introduce yourself.
1: Sweet. Yeah, I'm I'm super excited. Thank you for having me. And it's an honor to be the first.
0: Yeah, number one. (laughs) Okay, so what we want to bring on Powerful and Poised is just like a super relaxed, just open conversation. I mean, you're the one that really kind of put it in my head to do the podcast because I just feel like every time we get on phone calls, it's like it lasts forever because we just keep going on and on. And then remember when Ryan went to dinner with us and we were standing outside for like two hours (laughs) too. And I was just like, dude, we can just go on just about – our lives and everything that we've been through and just being able to connect and relate to each other, I think is super important in our industry to have people like that. Um, So I just want to start off by explaining a little bit about your past and your journey and how, I mean, there's so much, so let's kind of like rewind it back to Tyler like out of high school and like that kind of journey and like where you're from and how you made the choices that decisions you did to get here today?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, so right before high school, right? I was in Florida. Um, That's where I was born, Miami. Um, And uh, yeah, uh, we were just, you know, me and my mom, it's always been me and my mom, just kind of me and her always and um yeah we uh
0: you're an only child
1: i am an only child okay yeah. and family wise i don't really know anyone else um it's always just been me and her which i love to be honest it's a blessing we're, we're really close you know um i call her every day so it's it's really cool relationship that we have
0: little mama's boy i am I'm, I'm <laughs> boy
1: shit. um love her um but yeah so like she we kind of struggled for a while, right? But when you're younger, you don't really know what struggle is, right? You just think, um, this is life. And like, I was happy, right? And when you're young, you're just happy, right? Um, I think I didn't realize what we were going through till later on till I you know, understood things better. Um, but she got a good job, finally, right before um, I went to high school. And then that's when we moved, and she got a job with what's called Dodds. And it's called Department of Defense Schools. And it's just like the schools and the military bases, but they're only the ones that are overseas. Um, and so we moved to England and um,
0: up. Yeah. I don't even know this shit. I'm I'm like getting really background story. I had no idea you went to England and lived there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I wish I was in the hair back then because I feel like there's so many talented artists out there.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, but uh yeah, we we she got a really good job with Dodds and um we got our own we used to kind of jump from like place to place with her friends and just stay with her friends, and like to have her own place was like dope. Like,
0: so you were in England in high school or like mm-hmm. yeah, outside? Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. So throughout all of high school, I was in England, and then my last year in high school was in Sicily, which is a part of Italy now, right? Um, and that was super cool. But I ended up going back to England uh, just to walk because that's where I kind of like was the whole time. Mm-hmm. And my graduating class in Sicily, I think was like four. Like it was like four people.
0: What? Yeah.
1: And so like, it's going to take like a five minute graduation thing. I was like, I'd rather go back. So my mom was nice enough. And my principal over there was nice enough to let me walk. So it was cool. It was a lot bigger than four. So <laughs> it was cool. And they had like a cathedral that they rented out for the graduation, which is cool. England has a lot of that type of stuff, obviously um, with the history and stuff. But um, yeah. And then... Uh, after that is when I kind of got the bug for hair. Um, my barber in Florida, he, I don't know, I always looked up to him. It wasn't in the point of like hair. It was more in, more in the point of like what we do as hairstylists and barbers, what we kind of bring to the table and how we help the community, right? Mm -hmm. That's more what I was attracted to because I was like, man, he's always a part of all these give back events or like anything with community, he's always involved, right? Because he's taking care of the community. So he knows everyone. He has that network. And um, for me too, like not having a dad and things like that, I would go to him for advice, right? And which was really cool too. So, and I wasn't the only one. A lot of people... Came to him for advice. He was kind of like the local community guy that helped out, right? And the community
0: and, dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the or, father or, figure. Yeah, or mentor. big brother, mentor. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, and so that's what attracted me. I was like, man, I want to do what he does for me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even about the haircut; it was about like that part of it, right? Because mm-hmm. we do we're there for our, our clients a lot and in many ways. And so in that instinct, that was kind of like my first like bug bite with the with the hair industry. But then back then. The hair industry was so, I feel like, looked down back
0: upon Back then, me. how old are you? So <laughs> I'm 32. Okay. So this is like 15, 18 years ago, like yeah, when yeah. you're talking about back then. Okay.
1: Um, And it just like, it wasn't everyone, like I talked to was like college, 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 right? They're mm-hmm. like, you don't want to do that, you know? Um, Even when I got into the industry, people were like talking bad, I feel like, about the, and still, you know what I mean? And And it's a lot different now. I feel like it's the cool thing, right? But um, yeah, everyone told me no. And so I was like, even though he really inspires me, I ended up not doing it. But then when I ended up uh, going to Japan for just like two years and I did online college classes after high school. So you
0: already did all of this traveling and seeing different places before you even got into hair. Because I think a lot of people think, uh, hair will just give you opportunity and it'll just present itself to you and then you'll be able to go to these cool places but you were already making that happen for yourself which yeah. is really awesome.
1: And I think really kind of going on that uh I'm going to go back to the to the story but I feel like <laughs> This is our conversations this...
0: too. We're like, "All right, let's go back to what we originally said cuz now you just brought up something I have to talk about."
1: <laughs> no, 1000%. Um but yeah, I feel like You know, a lot of us thought like, oh, I can't go to this place unless I get a deal or something, right? Right. When literally you could just be behind a chair, work hard and get that money and do it yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us forget that. I think, especially me when I was first starting, I was like, the only way to get this opportunity is if I get a deal and then da 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 You know what I mean? And then you're relying
0: on somebody else. Exactly. Yeah. But I think, you know. There's so much we can talk about for that too. But let's finish your. The story. Yeah, your story.
1: But um, so, yeah, so then when I went to Japan for a couple of years, I was doing online classes, which suck. I hate because uh, it's very like self-discipline. You have to like because you're not really everything's yourself right? you're not going to a classroom. You're not, you know, with college stuff. So that was super tough on me because it, it is all about discipline when it comes to online classes. But I wanted to experience that. Right. And so I was in Japan for a couple of years and then I was a lot younger. You know, um, not what I am now, and um, I used to do modeling, right? And modeling was like one of
0: you did modeling. I did. Shut up, Uh, okay.
1: (laughs) So it was really cool because I got a lot of gigs. Like
0: modeling for what?
1: Just different brands and stuff for runway shows. Yeah. Okay. Um, But also like um, other stuff as well. Like I did one for like um, an alcohol commercial. They ended up putting. uh, I remember they put like I think it was ginger ale or something. Because I told my, I was like, I don't drink. Like, I will not drink alcohol. Um, so they put like ginger ale or something in it for the commercial one time, which was funny. It was, which was really, really cool. But um, yeah, so when I was on those sets, I never was really into modeling. I feel like a lot of people, like my close friends or my circle was like, you should do it. But it never, I feel like I did it for them and not for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I did it because... Then I got my second kind of bug bite when it comes to the hair industry because I'd always be fascinated with people on set doing hair and what they would do to my hair other people's hair and like just the creativity behind it. I was like, oh, like the avant-garde stuff. And I'm like, yo, how did you do that with the hair? Like, And I'm just like... For me too, with males, it's like the prep time is way less than the females. So like, I'd always be the first one done on set. So I would go over to like where they're doing hair, and I'm just like watching. I'm just like,
0: you're oh the my student. Gosh. Yeah. yeah, I'm just like, yo. Mesmerized.
1: They're just like doing all these cool things with hair. And so after that, I was like, you know, f where everybody else says. Like, you know, with my first barber and then the hairstylist on set, I was like, I, I got to do this. Like, and so how I kind of pitched it to my mom. I love my mom, but she was very set on like calls. Like I feel like she imprinted in my brain. I didn't even realize it was an option. I thought all people like went to college. I thought like it was high school and then college and then, then you're done. Right. I thought mm-hmm. everyone just did that. I didn't realize that I was in college that I was an option. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <she> like <laughs> imprinted
0: it was it. just a standard that your mom was just like, no, this is just the way you do things. And that's it.
1: 1000%. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, uh, I ended up uh, pitching it to my mom. I was like, "How about I do this to like make money for college, right?" Mm-hmm. And like get a that's kind of how I pitched it to it, right? Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, because that'll help you pay off your debt and stuff like that." Because she was very, my mom is very, like you do it on your own. She's like, like she's not gonna help me type thing, which I respect. So because- do
0: you feel like that helped to build your work ethic and like your confidence because it was just what you grew up with and there was no different just kind of like how the standard was for you to go to college it was just like the standard for your upbringing of just being like well I'm not going to help you so you just need to figure it out
1: exactly and so
0: like I,
1: I'm so thankful for because a lot of my friends and she even told me one of the reasons why she really decided to to go through with just kind of like making it all on my own when well, she would see some of my friends and they couldn't even do their laundry or they couldn't like do things like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was very, even when I was 18, she kicked me out. Like she's like, you're on your own because she got kicked out when she was 16. That's a whole other story. But yeah. she was, she's was she been on her own since she was 16. And so she figured it out and, her, and and growing up, I saw her work ethic just like just working three, four jobs. And she even had, like, I remember she had another job on the side um, just so I could go to like a nice school. She ended up getting, she was a janitor for, I think Delta or something, because at that time, if you were working just an employee for that certain airline, you, your kids could go to like a nicer school. Oh, and so she ended okay. up being a janitor just for that, just to like, like get to that school because she wanted me to have good education. But, um, and she even did, I don't know if I should say this, but like,
0: <laughs> well, if you think about it later, I can cut it out <laughs> if you don't want it in it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's it's cool. But she even did, like, illegal stuff to make sure that well, I was financially good. Like, she really did a lot, and I'm thankful for her. Because a lot of that I didn't realize till I was older. Like, she would skip meals, but make sure I had food. Like, she's always been and And I think just that having my whole life, it definitely helped me with my work ethic. Because I saw her working all these jobs and and just doing all these things just to make sure I was okay. And so I, I definitely was like, if she can do all that, I can at least take care of myself. You know what I mean?
0: yeah and you didn't resent her for that because no. i feel like that comes down to also like your mindset right yeah. because a lot of people can kind of victimize themselves when it comes to that situation and be like yeah well i was kicked out at 18 so i wasn't given an opportunity and da, 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 you know and resent their upbringing because of them where your mindset, it seems like it was pretty strong already from the beginning of just being like, well, this is my responsibility and this is what I've been told and this is just the way things are and you just like kind of accepted it. But then I feel like you almost had power within yourself of knowing that you were responsible for your life and every decision that you made already at that point Was for yourself because you were already trying to do something for other people to appease them at a young age, and then you already like you realize like that's not for me, and I'm gonna not live for other people, and honestly, it takes people a long time to even get to that mindset. Sometimes people don't even get to that mindset, you know. So that's that's a superpower even within yourself.
1: It is, and I'm super thankful for her. But I feel like for me. It was just like, cause that's how I'd grown up, right? We were like jump from like friend's house to friend's house, or like we'd already, I had already experienced that. I was as a, when I was young. Then like when the high school and stuff was like, she got a good job, and then we were like a little bit better off. But it was just like when I left, I was like, I've already been through this once, right? So that same thing, I started off, I was homeless, right? Because I didn't have any friends. Because I went to to Utah because. Um,
0: okay. So wait, wait, hold on.
1: Oh, go ahead. You're a homeless. I'm jumping. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. So. Okay, so your mom kicked you out when you were eighteen. Yeah. So then, what, what were, what was the process like? You packed and you left at eighteen.
1: Where did you go? So, so originally I was in Florida because that, like, from because we were overseas, right? Yeah. And I went to Florida, started um, going to community college there. Um, it's called St. John's River, um, and everyone I was around was like. From like my childhood not everyone but a lot of them that i had known from before I had, we had moved overseas they're like up to no good and it just like i was trying to like make it work but then like the limit for me was like when i saw one of my friends i had given him some money because he had kids and he was struggling so like, hey here's like my last bit of money and then he ended up using that money because he got arrested the next day for buying drugs and I'm like, God, I just gave you that money.
0: And you had like no money. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and some of my friends were like I remember one, one of my friends was like, Hey, can you like get a gun for me? He was on work release. Um, like so he was still in jail, right? And he was on we we worked together though. And he was on because he, he would come, you know what work release is? Yeah. Yeah, so he would come to to the job and we worked together. My parents were police officers, so oh,
0: okay. <laughs> I know, I know the legal system. <laughs>
1: And so we worked together, and he asked me to go get him a gun, and I'm just like, all these red flags were happening with all these people that were close to, and and my instinct with people I'm close to is to help,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: But then with the you're a giver, him, <laughs> him with buying drugs and the guns and just the different things, I was like, I don't want to be around this because I'm gonna end up doing the same thing, mm-hmm. or you know what I mean, or or get caught up like being an accomplice or whatever, right?
0: So do you feel like when you moved away, it it removed you from the situation where then you could kind of look at it from like an outsider looking in when you came back? Yeah. And the perspective was different when you went back because you weren't so involved daily in it?
1: Yeah, it kind of gave me a different perspective on like, like you don't have to do those dumb things, you know? And I never did, but my mom was very like kind of, she had a, a good, you know, um, set of rules and things for me and, and implementing a lot of stuff in in my life. But um, yeah, when I saw England, everyone was like on good, like some people did like a little bit of bad things, but nothing compared to like the legal stuff that was going on with my, my people in Florida. And so like, um, yeah, I was like, damn, you don't have to do this dumb shit. You know, there's other ways, other paths, right? And um, so it definitely opened my eyes for sure. So when I came back, I knew I, I didn't have to stay there and I could go somewhere else. And so I had one friend that didn't live in Florida, and he happened to live in Utah. And he was going to college, doing, like, like the right things, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to just go there, right? And so he kind of showed me the ropes a little bit. Um, I was living out of my car that I had drove, um, drove there with and ended up going out of commission, so I just parked it somewhere and just, like...
0: It went, out, it went out of commission after you drove it from Florida all the way to Utah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which probably took three days, right? <laughs>
1: it took a long time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so your car broke down yep, once you got to Utah, but at that point you were already enrolled in school?
1: Yeah, so I, tr- I tried to do the college thing at first. Um, but they wanted to charge like double or triple for out of state, right? Right,
0: just like Weber State yeah, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And so I started going to the barber school in Midvale, I just parked it, parked the car um, uh, in the in the the parking lot or whatever the you know the back area, and i would just live out of it there, and um, and then later.
0: So you lived out of your car
1: mm-hmm.
0: while you were going to school. Yep. The whole time. Did, did you have a job no, while you were going to school? I
1: didn't. So I was just like showing up. I mean, that was my, I guess that was my job, right? Just showing up and, and, um, and doing that.
0: So then were you living off of the tips that yeah, people yeah, yeah. would tip you with at mm-hmm. school? And okay. Then,
1: and then when I got friends, um, I had a friend named Landry, and I love Landry. I, did. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he's a good friend. Shout out. Me. Shout out to Landry.
0: <laughs> straight up, because he
1: helped me when I was down, so yeah. straight up. Um, he used to let me, because I didn't shower for the longest, And I was super embarrassed because I had like super long curly hair, right? And it just be like this big butt. It looks so bad because I wasn't
0: washing it. And I know... You didn't wash it at school? I didn't. I should have, huh? Yeah, bro. What? (laughs) Do we have sinks? I mean, it was a barber school. So I don't know if that's different, right? Did we They had to have one hair
1: washing sink. We did. I remember we had a sink to wash our tools. But I don't think we had, like, a shampoo bowl. But if we did, then maybe I was washing it. But from what I recall... You don't I, remember. Because my friends would... I had my friend uh, Eric Stone, who I went to school with. He actually owns Salt Lake Barber Company. And he sent me some pictures of me back then. And I look like total shit, like, all the time in the pictures. So I feel like we I did. I feel it. like you
0: need to post that picture when we post this oh. podcast. What do you guys think? I feel like we need we need to see it, dude. We I'm have down. to see it. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. Um, But anyway. We asked for I, vulnerability here. <laughs> I,
1: I signed up for this. I agree. But, um, yeah. So you
0: didn't wash your hair for how long? Like, at I this remember. point... Yeah, how long were you in your car living there? I mean, the whole time, the whole like- So how long was school It was a little
1: over six months because, and I hate this lady, she got fired, but she told me I was like late and stuff like that, but I I couldn't say I was living out of my car, but I wanted to be like, I don't wanna say bad words, but I'd be like, look lady, like I live outside, I'm the first one here, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, there's no way I'm late. Like I'm here before anyone else because I live outside, right? Um, but I can't say that because I didn't want to get in trouble. Cause I actually had a cop come, I think someone called me, called the cops on me a couple of times. Um, and I had to like, like just go somewhere else. Cause they, he caught me like sleeping and the cops, so like, you can't do that here. You know, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. and so I had to like, like move or whatever, but.
0: So did you get your car fixed? So then you could move it?
1: No, no, no. I just like went away and then like came back. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was scary. I thought maybe he'll come back and arrest me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, yeah i would just like walk off or like act like my, my excuse was oh i'm waiting for my friend that's what i would always say is like oh, i'm waiting for my friend my bad i just like dozed off my bad um and then i was just like but it's so embarrassing man <sighs> but um but
0: uh it's yeah, a part need... of your story it is, it is. you know it is like the journey that's the thing is like there are embarrassing things that happen but it makes you realize that like you never want to be in that position again never and also like when you humble yourself to make those sacrifices and not live in an ideal situation it makes you work that much harder you know
1: and it makes you grateful for what you have
0: yeah for like, sure not take it for granted yeah you know cool
1: but yeah so i smelled bad my hair was bad it was all bad but then landry when i became friends with him he let me come over to his house and shower every once in a while um, and his family was always super welcoming. His sister, his brothers, were the coolest. Um uh, I think I even crashed there a few times, um, which was super nice to them because it would get cold during the winter, like fucking so cold.
0: And your car's not working. Yeah,
1: and so I'm just like freezing my ass off. Oh my like God. Oh my God, so cold. Just I
0: want to help Tyler back then. he be like, come stay in our house.
1: <laughs> it was yeah. It was it was wild, but. Then I ended up uh, um, graduating. And before I graduated, I actually applied to Weber State. And it was still, I think it was like you had to live in Utah for like two years or something crazy. And I'm like, you know, F this. And so I kind of forged some paperwork the old school way because my mom's old school.
0: Did your mom know you were sleeping in your car? She
1: did not. Um, but uh,
0: Why didn't you tell her?
1: Because I wanted to do it on my own, you know? And I knew even if like... Does she know now? She knows now, okay. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well, is she mad? But
1: no, 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 no. I mean, well... I don't know. She just kind of, like, brushed... Like, she didn't... We didn't, like, go deep into it. Okay. Um, Kind of swept
0: uh, it under the rug a little bit. And it's like, oh, well, you survived. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Uh, Not my problem no more.
1: But I'm super thankful for it. Because, like, I mean, she had to go through way worse when she was younger. You're right. Um, So, like, what I've done is, like... I just
0: know as a mom that would be really hard. And so it's probably a really good thing that she didn't know because she would have probably taken that on and made it harder on herself, you know? Cause I just feel like you always feel responsible. So, um, it's probably a a good thing. You didn't tell her.
1: (laughs) No, yeah, it was good. And I was just super very like, you know, um, like I didn't want to, cause I just feel like with her, she never had an excuse. You know what I mean? And I didn't want to have no excuses, no bullshit. Like, like I'm super thankful for her and my upbringing, but, but yeah. So then I ended up forging some paperwork for like my tax paperwork and whatever for college. Um, I just, I did it old school. Like I didn't know how, I didn't have a laptop. I didn't have Photoshop. So I would just like white out certain things and then print off like the text and glue it on and then scan that. And you couldn't like, tell. Like fax it? It was white on white. So you couldn't okay. tell. And so, yeah. Why were you
0: forging it? like why cuz I, I didn't want to it? pay out of state tuition. Okay, so you were taking like someone else's application and like putting your name on it or like what do you mean? So like i was doing like so you had to, you had to show your tax documents and stuff, right? Oh, to go. And see, i i haven't gone to college. So i don't know. Break it down for yeah. me cuz i don't i never went to college. So
1: Yeah, you had to have cuz especially to to get like um uh, like uh, help from college, like financial aid, stuff like that. They have like to know fafsa
0: that. or whatever. Okay. They have to
1: know that background. So there's a lot of paperwork that I had to do. I don't remember all of it, but I remember I, I was doing it on all of them. I'd white it out, you know, and say my residence was here for so long and blah blah blah. And I would have friends at that time, right? Where like I could say that I was staying there, right, or, or whatever it may be, right. And so, um, yeah, I ended up getting state tuition. Later, I realized the the. The repercussions of that, yeah. (laughs) I don't know if I would have done it if I would have known. It's
0: fraudulent, (laughs) but uh, yeah. But when you when you ain't got shit, you like like what? What do you have to lose? You know
1: exactly. And so, um, thankfully, I didn't have the knowledge because I don't know if I would have had the balls to do that. But I did it. So um, yeah, so I was finishing out barber school and doing college, just taking the bus. and the trains and all that stuff um i knew i remember i knew the schedules on like a, on like every minute you know i was like oh the bus at this location comes here at this time the train comes you know what i mean i didn't have to look it up cuz i just knew and it was like cuz like, i had to do it all the time but um yeah and that's kind of how i got by I started getting a job started making money um started just like doing different things i was doing haircuts um in the at the college to like trade for rides and stuff for like like to drive me to go get here or there or something and so it was nice having that haircutting background in my pocket to trade you Mm -hmm. know what I mean Mm -hmm. for rides or whatever it may be Um, because
0: everyone needs a haircut
1: they do especially like guys right because they get it more frequently Mm -hmm. so I was like yes it it definitely helped me out where if I was doing like women's hair it would have been probably a little bit harder because they don't get haircuts as often Um, and I didn't know that many people I didn't know a lot of guys but I knew just enough to like keep me you know help me going but um, yeah, I ended up getting like, I was in a place finally with like six other like college kids and like, we just all would like, I'm exactly not six, but it was like, I think four. Um, and we all just like split it, you know, and we're renting out like a basement. Um, like, so we were all like in one room and like just rent, like we just split it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um,
0: and so, you were graduated from... Yeah barbering school mm-hmm. and going to weber yep. at this point I, and what was your point to going to weber were you just doing it to appease your mom well i just thought that's what we had to do okay. I, didn't re- I didn't realize i had an option to
1: not do it okay
0: <laughs> so All i right. was like so you were following the plan that you told your mom that like i'm gonna go to barber school yeah. to help me through college yep. and so you were going on that path
1: yep one thousand percent
0: so then how long were you at weber for
1: Fuck, so long. I don't even want to say because it was like, it took me a long, long time. I feel like I was never the smartest, but like I always worked the hardest, right? And that's what mm-hmm. I've always like, I've always kind of lived off is just like my work ethic and, and stuff because I knew I wasn't always the smartest. I knew I wasn't this or that, but I was like, I know I'll get it done. If I take it 10 times, I'll take class 10 times, but I'm going to pass that shit the mm-hmm. 10th time, you know? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of classes I had to retake and whatever. Um, and then like I finally ended up graduating like 2016.
0: And how were you um, able to pay for weber so i was i ended up getting a, sh-
1: a job at a shop the first okay. the first shop was uh raised in Salt Lake. I used to take the train there um and I was doing like side hustle stuff with some friends just to like make some money too. I used to like
0: all legal mostly <laughs>
1: <laughs> but um
0: you had to throw your mom under the bus. I had to say something. <laughs>
1: i did huh i hope she doesn't watch this She's so am so mad <laughs> i didn't say what she did though
0: so I you know, i'm i not asking yeah. you i'm just just curious. So,
1: <laughs> so i did what i had to do to get by you know yeah and then, um i think later on, i ended up getting a bicycle which was so nice um because then i could just like do bikes are expensive they are and then when you get into like that fancy biking stuff
0: oh yeah you get the fancy shoes and like all the all like, this stuff
1: yeah upgraded and stuff and like Bikes are not cheap. No. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah.
0: So that was an accomplishment for you then, is to get a form of transportation that you weren't having to rely on others. Cause yeah. I'm sure that was difficult for you, who is so like self dependent on mm-hmm. yourself, to then be reliant on others. Like that would kill me. Yeah. So for you to get your bike, you felt like, all right. I can actually rely on myself now, even if it's twenty fucking degrees, I can get somewhere, you know, yeah. that I need to be. And I remember
1: my last semester in college, I actually got it stolen because Shoot. I had I forgot my bike lock. But the the instructor I was taking a class from, he was like this hard ass, and but it was a lawyer class. I forgot what it was, but I had to take it for some reason, even though had, because you have to do like some classes that aren't your major, right? Yeah,
0: where were and you I going was, for business, or
1: I was going for digital media. Oh, um, I switched it a couple times. At first I was doing photography and then I was doing um, teaching and different education. I kept like jumped around, but I ended up with digital media and this lawyer class. I forgot. It was like a law, whatever class. And I had to take it. There was no ways around it. He was the only one that offered that class. And it all said it was bad reviews on him. Um, so it was all bad. But I remember him saying, if you miss one class, he will fail you. Doesn't matter what your grade was if you just missed class or showed up late, he will automatically fail you. Like he was an asshole.
0: Wow. So, and how many days a week were you taking his class?
1: I think it was every other day. So like um every other day I would take it. Um and then I showed up there I was on time, but I forgot my bike lock. So I could either go home and get it or and fail this class or On
0: the last day?
1: On the It wasn't the last day, but it was like close to the the end end. of the semester yeah and um I was like hopefully you know I'm only gonna be here for an hour like hopefully no one takes it sure enough
0: come out it's gone I just end up walking home that's your intuition telling you that someone was gonna take it when you're questioning yourself it's like oh I hope it doesn't happen well shit I just called that
1: (laughs) but I ended up graduating got my degree and stuff and I passed the class of like barely I think oh no that one actually did really good I think I got like a I forgot what the grade was, but that was my last semester I took. I don't know if you know about like credit hours, but like they only allow you to take a certain amount of credit hours, but I was fed up with college. And so the uh, a summer semester is actually shorter than a regular semester. Okay. So in a summer semester I took 26 credits, which is a lot. You can't even do that without permission. And I actually went to the president to get it, her her to sign it, and she was busy luckily cuz I didn't have the requirements to even get it. But she was busy. She said, "Hey, I'm going to just trust you." I'm going to sign this, but just, just tell me if you got the right GPA. And I didn't. I was like, yo, yeah, I do. My GPA is way high. She's like, cool, I'm going to trust you and sign this. Because she was busy. And she was, was like, I caught her. Or she
0: like, just thought you were hot and just signed it off. Because she was <laughs> like, this this young chap here is hot. I'm just going to sign it. <laughs>
1: Either way, I'm thankful for it. So like, yeah. shout out to her. Um, <laughs> and she was like walking into a meeting, caught her. She signed it. And then I ended up taking the 26 credit hours and I ended up getting the best grades ever. I got like straight A's, which was crazy. Um, and then yeah.
0: So she wasn't paying back for the risks that she took with you. Yeah, yeah. No,
1: yeah. I ended up getting good grades. So it worked out. I even got like honors, which was crazy. Oh, that's awesome. So it was it was way really, really cool. And then I just kept doing hair. I like I did I worked for the Utah Jazz for a little bit, doing camera stuff. Um, but it just wasn't for me. Um, and I ended up just keep doing hair full time and I kind of showed my mom like like my like not my pay styles, but like i was telling her like hey this is how much i make out of hair it's really a business that relies on yourself mm-hmm. you can make as little or as much as you want it's very self-reliant which i love because mm-hmm. i know i work hard so i know i'm gonna make money right mm-hmm. and so um yeah she ended up like coming around and like okay that is a good job you know
0: based like at this point barbershop or commission or what were you doing
1: so i was like a commission Commission shot. I was raised and I had moved to the Ogden location. Okay. Um. And uh, yeah, I was working there, making good money, good foot traffic, and then. um, And
0: how long ago would you say this
1: was? This was maybe two thousand, like seventeen. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or like I probably ended two thousand sixteen because I was working there when I graduated. So two thousand sixteen ish.
0: So like eight years ago, roughly. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
1: and that's kind of when the spark for me going to, like, hair shows and getting deeper in. Because back then, at least on the barber side, at that time, there wasn't a lot of classes. So I was like, I got to go outside and and get those classes. So um, I was Yeah, that's, hungry.
0: like, right around the time that we moved to Utah. 2016? Was 2016, yeah. Because Sienna was born in 2015, and we moved here, like, 10 days before her first birthday is when we moved here, yeah. And... It was a different world, even eight years ago, you know, and Utah was kind of behind on the trends for things. And when I moved here, it was really cool because I went into a salon and I was bringing my California techniques and like things because we're, we're kind of trend centers in California and New York and, you know, large metro places. And, um people were asking me like why am I doing that and all of this stuff so it was like the first time that I felt like a big fish in a small pond Mm. you know what I mean in Utah um but yeah eight years ago there was nothing really going on in the hair industry locally in Utah at all um so you were at the barbershop and you were cutting hair and then did you just feel like there's more out there for you and then you were just curious about that and then started looking into shows like how did that start going for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, just following people on social media just kind of inspired me. Right. And, um, I would do all the, did you
0: have an Instagram eight years ago?
1: Yes, I did. Um, I was not posting on super crazy. I feel like the only time I would post on it was when I would hear like, like, um, application a lot of times people would ask you for companies they'd be like hey post a video of you using our tools or whatever and so i would do that and then i would post my haircuts i had a camera I i up getting a camera at the time and i would take pictures of my haircuts and stuff but i was very picky with what i what i posted mm-hmm. i wish i wasn't i wish i wasn't as that picky as i was back then because i was just trying to build clientele right and i wasn't trying to impress other hairstylists or barbers i should have just been posting everything um but i was posting like not as frequently as you because we've talk off camera before and you you were hustling you were Mm -hmm. hustling out there so i wasn't on that jessica status but i was posting a little bit here and there and
0: And your goal with posting was to get clients clients. in your chair at that point it wasn't attracting and so when you would post to get clients in their chair, you would be posting what you wanted to do, right? So that's why you were being more picky about what you were posting and not posting everything because you really wanted to build your clientele off of your niche of what you wanted to do. Stupid. What I, was your first hair show you ever went to? My first one, I don't remember
1: the first, but I remember the most like kind of like got my attention one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The one that kind of got my attention is actually where I I met my um my homie Mike was CT Barber Expo and that's in Connecticut and um I remember that when I was like whoa like there's just like all these companies that I use they're all here like they have vendor booths and I'm like this is heaven I, I remember just smiling so big I was like yo this is like this is it's like, like- Disneyland for it's- a barber. yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a community I want to be a part of because no one in Utah was going to shows nobody. Yeah. At yeah. least on the barber side um, at that time. And so it was just like, it was so cool. I saw all people you follow on Instagram, up there, they're there. And I'm like taking pictures with everyone. And it was just like, just so cool.
0: So in your mind, when you went to that show and you saw these people that you looked up to in the barber community, did you have this moment while you were there where you're like, I'm going to fucking be one of them one day?
1: not at the first one but later it came yeah. the first one was more like i just want to experience this and take it all in and i wasn't worried about like being like an educator i was just worrying about cuz at that time i was worried about bettering myself and like getting to a level where i'm happy with that, where i'm at right mm-hmm. like i think that's important i mean everyone has a different pr- uh, perspective and opinion but for me it's like i just wanted to like master my craft i wanted to get really good at what i was doing yeah. cuz i wasn't at that point yet um, so for me, teaching wasn't even... You my... were
0: still very much a student
1: yeah. at that point. Yeah, teaching wasn't even in my mind at all. I just wanted to to get better. I wanted to be better for my clients behind the chair, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would take all these classes and, and you know, just kind of soak it all up, it, soak uh, all the kind of experience uh, in, especially at the show and stuff, and just, like, learn and use the new tool to try to get better, at, you know, because tools matter, right? You know, having the right tool, I think... At least on the barber side, I feel like you can do anything with any tool, but the right tool can help you get it done faster, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Because mm-hmm. um, I could use a Walmart clipper. It might take me two hours, but I could still do it. Mm-hmm. Where if I have a, a tool that has a better motor and a better blade, I can get it done in 30 minutes, right? Right. Um, and so I think that stuff definitely helps you out. So getting those tools to help
0: you. Well, and I feel like that's important, too. It's like in the hair industry, working with brands and doing all of this stuff, like, we know we're using professional products no matter what, right? And the brands and the stores that we're going to is all good. Yeah. You know, but, like, for me, it's, like, what's going to align with the techniques and the things that I'm doing and the styles and all of that stuff, but also, like, how are they as a brand as well and, like, what message are they giving off and all of that stuff because I teach in my classes and say, too, like, I can go to the store and, or go to Sally's or whatever and buy the cheapest fucking product and have it look dope as fuck. But am I going to guarantee that? You know? So, really, it just, you, yes, you are as good as your tools, but also you're not everything because of your tools. Yeah. Yeah.
1: 1000%. I agree with that. What was just kind of curiosity? Do you remember your first hair show?
0: My first hair show was. ISSE or ICE okay. if you want to call whatever people call it different I know I've heard that. <laughs> um and it was actually in 2019 okay. was my first ever like hair show hair show wow. that I went to and <laughs> I actually it was so spur of the moment last minute I won free naha tickets and to their after party and their before party show to Naha through Olivia garden. They were doing a giveaway on Instagram. So I won two tickets super last minute. And then I brought one of my salon girls with me, um, Corey, and we just drove to long beach just the next day. Cause I literally got told like two days before, the show happened and i moved my schedule around and we just drove out there and we stayed two nights and then drove back that second night and it was my first like pulp riot experience all of that stuff saw main stage and went to naha got to see all of that and that really just solidified a lot for me of what is possible, like in our industry, it for opened, sure. Opens your eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So after that, we're well, like, what were you most like motivating? Like, were you like, like you were asking me, were you trying to be an educator, or were you trying to just be a bit behind the chair? Like, what, what did it like spark in you?
0: Well, at that point, I was really trying to get on with Pulp Riot. Gotcha. So literally, like, two, three weeks, two or three weeks later is when I got my Riot Squad box okay. from Pulp Riot, which means that. I was invited to be like an educator for them. And I had been working up to that point. So it's kind of funny how things just kind of align and like fall into place because. I was able to meet David and Alexis at that show, you know. I was able to see them do their main stage performance, like, in person. Meet Amanda Harsh, like, for the second time. Because the first time she had come to my salon and done um, a Faction 8 class when their permanent line um, came out. And then that's really what made me want to work with the brand is meeting her and just seeing how personable and nice she was you know and what that brand meant and then it was really cool to yes see it in the salon on a smaller scale but then to see it on main stage at ISSE on such a bigger scale I was like I'm gonna be a platform artist one day you know, That's cool. for the longest time it was like, oh, just working a booth would be really cool. It yeah. is, it's really cool. And then to then say, oh, I'm a platform artist for this company or whatever is is even more cool. And the fact that I had that educator come to my salon and now we're friends and now I'm watching her on main stage was like a full circle moment for me that I was like, with hard work, I can achieve this, you know, and I saw how hard she worked and everything she was doing. So you kind of follow those people and you study what they do and how they move and what they're doing and you make it your own, you know, because, you know, a lot of the times you can watch what people do and you in your mind idolize it. <clears throat> but then when it comes down to you having to do the work and you having to, To put that initiative and make those sacrifices, you realize that it's not necessarily something that you want for yourself, you know? And I think a lot of times with social media and people watching stories and stuff, like, my clients still ask me how my vacation was, you know, when I get back from a work trip. Like, I just got back from L.A. doing a campaign shoot, and I have fun working because i love what i fucking do but i'm not just like lollygagging around and just like spending money and like yeah sometimes brands will have us go on a day trip to universal or disney or like something as it added on but like we're there to work yeah and most of the time as you know like we go to the airport we know salt lake airport like the back of our hand And then we go to wherever we're traveling, and then we get in an Uber, and then we go to our hotel or the convention center, and then we literally find the closest restaurant to wherever we're staying, and that's where we eat for the night because we haven't eaten for 12 fucking hours, and we're just starving. So we really don't care where we eat. And then... We just go to bed, and then we wake up and do the next thing at the same place. So it's like, yeah, I've been to Chicago. Yes, I've been to these other places, but have I experienced it like someone that is going on a vacation would experience Chicago? No. You know?
1: Yeah. it's I I get the same thing with a lot of my clients. Like, I remember one of the roughest ones for me was Premier orlando and it was the first time i was doing main stage god i
0: fucking hate orlando airport by the way it's horrible
1: it is um it's it's like my clients like oh yeah how was your vacation and i'm like bro like i know it like and i feel like we kind of have to make it look cool on social media because what the brands want right they want to you know that you just want to like show you know like the good things right but a lot of people don't know is that you know i remember at the Premier orlando show like I was super hyped to do main stage and stuff at Premier Orlando, but I'm like, bro, like it's a long show. It's not just one day, right? We have multiple days we have to do stuff. I remember our call times every day were like 6 a.m. or 5.30. And then we were there till like, like damn near midnight. You know what I mean? Because you have to like clean up all your shit afterwards too. Right. Clean up your your vendor booth or your backstage area where where you're sitting or doing prep work. And it's like, you're there all Mm-hmm. like and you just want to go home and go to bed people are like you're going to the after party mm-hmm. i'm like fuck
0: but you gotta go to the after you party
1: because you gotta show face right? you gotta
0: network yeah. you can't just be that person that's on stage i mean for me personally i feel like networking has helped me get to where i'm at even like with our relationship and friendship and like me just building the friendships with people online. It's not just in line or online, you know, it's its literally me making the effort to go out after and yeah, present face and, and meet the people that are inspired by you and, you know, humanize yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and the networking part is so important. I mean, I talk about it all the time on my page, but like every opportunity I've gotten is because of networking. It's not my skill level. It's not like all this other stuff. It's like, I literally. mean,
0: it's kind of your skill level. <laughs> Don't discredit yourself. All right. But I feel like we're kind of getting far ahead uh, of your story f- for a second. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So, so, okay. So went to the show, got inspired, right? got
0: inspired. You're still at the barbershop that yep. you were first working at mm-hmm. outside of school. And then after you went to the show, then what happened?
1: Yeah, so after the show, then I just came back, just super inspired, was, you know, um, doing different haircuts and techniques that I had learned and um, going to more, like, trying to, like, be a part of more local stuff because it made me realize how important that is, you know? Um, Because if you want something to happen, you got to support it, right? Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are like, oh, I'm going to just go do that myself, you know? Mm -hmm. But it's like people who are, I mean, you got to show love to get love, right? Yeah. And so, like, I was supporting anyone that had, like, any little event, barber battle, whatever, I would compete, or even though I sucked, I was like, whatever, I'm going to just show up and, like, support, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember a lot of my first barber battle, I took last place every time. But I was like, I'm there, you know what I mean? I'm showing up. And opportunities came just because I I was there. They're Mm -hmm. like, Tyler, you come to every show, you know, And and then this and that will happen. So... Um, it's, it's definitely p- important to support, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it's just like a, a little salon class or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. all those things matter, you know, you never know who's going to be there, you know, yeah. and if you want love for your stuff, you got to show love. Yeah. So that's just kind of how it works. But, um, so yeah. And then I kept, I kind of got into like a mode of like, when, when I got to the skill level that I felt like I was, you know, I wasn't the greatest, but like I was confident in myself. I started teaching classes. <laughs> I did like, um, I was going to hair shows at the same time too because I got, I got addicted, I got super hooked. Every penny I had, I would, I, I remember one show I went to the DC, I think it's called the DC Barber Expo. Um, I spent all the money, I remember, on the plane ride there because I went I, I, was, I had a flight with Frontier. Okay. And it got, every time I fly them, it always There's gets a reason canceled. why there's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> always gotten canceled, so I bought like a last minute flight with some other airline and i spent literally all the money in my account to like go i just had this feeling like i need to be there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um i ended up growing a lot of my relationships that i have now from that show
0: so you sacrificed a lot of your own time yeah money. and your money to show face yes and show up and network and have these brands basically not not know who you are
1: exactly like they started being like damn, he's at, he's at every show. He's not even getting paid to do it because they're getting paid mm-hmm. to go to these shows. I'm mm-hmm. spending every penny I had, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, damn, he's consistent. His work ethic is there. Like, Can I
0: tell you that I did the same thing? Yes. Yeah, with Pulp Riot. Because okay. <clears throat> after ISSE, just because I was um, Riot Squad yeah. does not mean that they were paying me for anything right like they would pay me to educate for them but if i wanted to go and be a part of a class or a part of a show or all or whatever then i had to like show up and show them my commitment of wanting it you know so i booked a flight like super last minute to orlando and went to a orlando show in uh 2019 i think it was and i paid my whole way and i worked the Pulp riot booth the whole time i was there because to me that's why i was there you know at that point I, yeah i walked around and i saw everything but to me that's that's what my presence was—was was to be there for that brand, and so that's my obsession, and that's who I'm gonna hang out with. And I just donated my time and and worked behind the booth for them. Um, I went and got mesh and towels, disposable towels, because we ran out, you know. And I just like put myself in there, of, and I are I always tell Casey, even still to this point, I'm like, you know, I like to be used and abused. So just use and abuse me because I feel like even going to hair shows now, like I feel like if I'm there at a leisure, it's almost uncomfortable for me. Like I feel like I should be doing more to help others, you know, that I'm associated with. And I think it's super important for people to understand that like we showed up with action first. We didn't just say like, oh, I'm this person. And if you want me to be a part of this and you need to pay me, it was like we showed up with action first to show the fact that we were committed and then also to show our work ethic of what they were going to get if they were going to hire us and use us going forward.
1: Yeah. And I I feel like I relied on that a lot personally because I didn't have, like, the social platform that a lot of people had at that time. And so in my head was, like, what's worked for me always is work, work ethic. Like, I haven't been the smartest. I haven't been whatever. And so I was, like, this far it's taken me, you know, to this point. Why can't I keep doing it in this industry, right? And so that's what I relied on was work ethic and just showing face every time I got. And the opportunities came, like you said. But you, you had to show these companies, like, if I didn't have a social presence, like, I was, like, I had to show them another way. So... That was the way that I had to show them. And so um, it worked out, you know, big time for me. So it definitely helped out a lot. But I, I totally, I totally feel you. We're talking about this app off camera. We're talking about how much like I feel like there's a time where you just have to be like dedicated to just just doing that, right? If you really want this, you have to just, you know, just back to back to back hair shows and back to back classes and back to back. You just gotta be hungry and it's it's gonna it's gonna wear on you. But that's just like I feel like everyone that's kind of gotten to the point where they're at now. They've gone through that. They have a similar story where they just like.
0: Right, it's not sustainable. Yeah. Right. Like you can't do this forever. No. Um, But you need to be able to, to give yourself a realistic amount of time to be able to sacrifice some things. And like I think a lot of the time so many people think that life is such a race that like you need to get from one point to another point, like in your mind, you come up with this timeline that's kind of unrealistic, you know, of being like, okay, well, I'll go to like two shows and if it doesn't happen, then it's not meant to be, you know, and it's like, no, you can't give yourself a timeline, but also that's really where your support and your community and who you surround yourself with come in because like, yeah, you were a single dude, right? Doing this, you know, and you didn't really have to answer to anybody. You didn't have to support a wife or kids or anything like that. And I think a lot of people like, unfortunately, use that to like limit them sometimes because they have these other obligations. And it's like, Okay, well, that's fine that you're not prioritizing that, but you can't hate on other people that are utilizing it and and taking that time to do those things when it does work for them. You know, and Ryan stays home with our kids and it is a sacrifice, you know, like I am the breadwinner of like, which is all cool to say Until like you get hit with unexpected bill and then all the weight is on you, you know, and I had gone out to these shows and paid for these things. And then I have my husband like, well, what's the pay going to be like? Is this going to work out? Like what's what? Why are you doing this for free? You know, and you get hit with those questions a lot of the time and you're just like you have to have enough like confidence within yourself where you're like. I can make this up in three clients. You know, if I just hustled and got three new clients in my chair for this month, it would pay for me to do this commitment of this venture and not take away from our family. And then that's how you kind of like balance it in my head because it was worth it to me to take those risks of the outcome of what like could happen, you know, and it's having that belief essentially – and power within yourself.
1: Yeah. I, I really hate that excuse, maybe because I was grown or raised by a single mother. But like when people tell me that I like, I use you as an example. A lot of times I use my friend, Sandra, I use my own mother. Like I, there's a lot of, like I felt like when people just say they you're limiting yourself, right? That they're like, Oh, I can't do it because I have kids or I can't do it because I have this or that. But it's like, I've seen so many amazing women still do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And well, it's a
0: choice. Yeah, like it is a choice. And Yeah. I mean, mom guilt is a, is a thing. Right. And I, I still feel like it's kind of stupid that we still like live in this world. Like even Ryan, you know, gets asked from family and like friends and stuff like, Oh dude, when are you going to get a job? You know? And it's like, because he's a man, he has to have a job, but, like, if a woman is staying home with their children, then it's never asked. Like, it's not devalued, you know? And he has enough confidence within himself that it doesn't phase him at all. But that's why I have always shared and brought Ryan into conversations and, like, my speeches and stuff when I won one-shot and stuff because it's super important for people to know that, like, i can't do this alone yeah you know especially not having like a a supportive like family to help watch them and all of that stuff like it was a sacrifice for us to realize that like he needs to stay home for me to be fully in you know but also he was willing to make that risk and take that chance because he never really had a job that fulfilled him. It was just like a tech support guy that would go into the office and sit at the desk and just kind of do what he was told he had to do, but there was no passion or purpose in it. And then he actually said, like, you know, it took him a year or two to, like, be okay with staying home and getting into the routine and, like, really taking it seriously. Okay. Yeah. This is my role and this is my job. And I am this supportive person yeah. for my wife. But he realized that if I didn't take on the opportunity and take the risk to do what I'm doing, that it wouldn't have given him the opportunity to realize that his purpose in his life is being a supportive role and to being the main parent and like super super into like being a father figure, like in our kids' lives, which is so awesome because I was raised without a dad and Ryan was raised without a dad too. So we both like kind of came at it from this space of just being like, well, we don't know what it's like (laughs) to have like a good father figure in our life, but I know what we don't want. Right. So if you know what you don't want, then it makes you figure out really what you do want in your life. And I feel like in your career and everything, too, there's a lot that you end up finding out that you don't like. Yeah. And I feel like that helps you to know what's going to be worth your time, because just because you're busy doesn't mean that you're getting fulfillment or feeling success in what you're doing because you're busy all the time you know yeah so okay so when during your journey did you decide because you were in barbering you're doing all this and then you went to cosmos school
1: yeah so for me i just it was kind of just so much repetition because we had talked about this off camera, but barbers in Utah are very limited on what they can do, right? And so for me, I just felt I wanted to do more, right? And so I ended up going to cosmetology school and it was crazy because I felt like I was doing all the things at once and it was it was super hard because it's the same time I started the expo, right? Um, for Salt Lake Beauty. And then I was doing uh, like a tour where I was doing, uh, I started off doing like educational classes in Utah I was hitting every school in the state. We have about, I think, thirty six schools, and I was just hitting them all up and like kind of getting reps in for teaching, and and it was it was a lot. Like, I realized it was a lot easier being homeless and going to school because <laughs> you didn't have all these things I had to do, right? Yeah. Um. I guess there's different there's different hardness things, right? Because like living in a car in winter is pretty fucking hard, right? Mm-hmm. But it, there's just a different hardness, right? And so, um. Yeah, it was tough because I feel like I didn't learn a lot in Cosmo school, which is my own fault because I was too busy. Like I would be in Cosmo school answering calls with, you know, with, uh, you know, Wall or Cosmoprof or, you know, whatever these different, you know, color companies, Matrix, whatever. And and I'm not even doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is learning, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was super tough. Another
0: reason why I said being busy always, like a lot of the time isn't always the best because... When you're putting more focus into one thing, naturally other things are going to be falling off.
1: Yes. Right?
0: And really, you should have been there focusing on school, but yeah. because you had all these other busy things that you were doing, it kind of fell off your your education at school.
1: Yeah, I remember even when I was doing mentoring, because remember I did a mentoring with you for a little bit too. Yeah,
0: we'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: but... um yeah, I remember just being so clueless. Like, I Okay, just, so what beauty school did you go to? So I went to Ogden-Weber Technical College, right? Which is um, in Ogden, Utah, mm-hmm. right? And um, yeah, I think it was a great school, but I just, I wasn't fully, because a lot of people think, like, it should just be handed to you. You got to put in work, because mm-hmm. I'm a teacher at a school as well. You know that. Mm-hmm. And it's like... You gotta show up and like want to be here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't be on your phone. You can't be like doing other shit. Like if you want to learn, you gotta be present, right? Be in here. You gotta be trying to build your own clientele, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people just rely on the school, but it's like if you do that, when you leave, you have no clientele. That's that school clientele. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you should be building clientele while you're in school. Then they can follow you after school and like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You can get a jump start to your career, but. Um, you got my point is you got to show up and be there. And I wasn't doing that personally when I was, because I was doing you know the tour and I was doing the expo and I was doing all these different things. Um, then I even had my own smaller event that I was doing at the same time too, which was called A Cut Above the Rest. And I ended up just kind of shifting gears on it. But I used to do, I think that was my third show. Then I had the big show and then I had the tour. Then I was behind the chair. Um, and then I was doing independent classes as well, where I just started getting paid like a hundred or two hundred bucks, which for me was like,
0: whoa. Yeah, you're What's, actually getting paid now.
1: I was tripping out, right? Yeah. I was
0: like, whoa. Um So when you went to Cosmos School, did they count your hours from Barber? Okay, so how long was Cosmos school? And so, were you going full time or part time? So I was going full time. Um on I, top of all the other things you were doing, you were going yeah. full time. Okay. It was crazy. I still yeah. wanna be there for a long
1: time. So what I would do is I would Everything would be separated in days, right? So I would do Cosmo School, 8 a.m. to 9 p.m., right? And just do really long days. Or at the salon, I'd be there at 7 a.m., 7.30, or or the barbershop, or the salon. I can't remember which one was I was at. I was at, I was at Archie's at first, Archie's Barbershop, and then I ended up going to a um, salon after I got my license. But um, I'd be at the shop from, like, 7.30 till, like, 9. And so I'm, like, I'm just doing really long shifts to, like, Make sure I'm doing full time of everything, but that was, it's it's tolling on you, right? I know you know because you've you've juggled a lot of things too, but it's it's super tolling. Um, but I just wanted all the things, right? I I didn't have like a, I, f- I feel like I had some friends, but that had experienced some things, but not all the things that I was doing, right? Because I I wanted just everything. Mm-hmm. I didn't have friends who threw shows, like that was a huge financial like, um, lesson. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So let's, yeah. Talk about that. So you went with Mike to the first like barber show that made you feel something. Yeah, And then was there a conversation that you had with Mike of being like, we should bring this to utah and what that looks like because all of this simultaneously is going on at yeah. the same time right
1: yeah and so we didn't go together we actually met there we didn't even meet in utah okay. we met in connecticut and um i think it was Lindsay, his wife um that was there she actually i feel like she hates going to hair shows but mike must have dragged her along all the time <laughs> um but shout out to Lindsay, because I think we were, I, I came super early because I was excited. I think I was like an hour early or something. Cause I want to be the first one through the door. Like, I'm excited. And so there's like a little, a little like bench, long bench thing. Um, and I was sitting down. I think she was sitting down. I think I was talking to her first. And she, oh, yeah, my husband's a barber in Utah. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm from Utah. Like, what
0: the heck? And um, Isn't it crazy how things just like yeah. work like that? It's, it's so random. It's crazy, and he was really
1: focused on his shops, and I was already doing the cut above the rest events, mm-hmm. and I was getting about like two to three hundred people that sh- that would show up, which is a lot. Right. Um. I don't think people people realize how much like how hard it is to even get a hundred people to show up. Like, mm-hmm. that's a like, applaud to you, you know. Like it's it's tough. Um. But yeah, I was doing that, and he he had like little classes at his shop, and he kind of gave me some pointers with certain companies and how you can ha- have those companies help you out with your show. And that was my first time meeting him, which I, I, to me was like, whoa, like, I've never even met you before. And you're giving me this advice, like, thank you, you know? Mm-hmm. So off the bat, there was just a connection. I remember he used to introduce me to um, some of his friends that he already known in the industry. I used to get jealous of him when, uh, I don't know if I've told him this or not, but <laughs> it's, it's so funny because... I could never connect with them like he did because most, uh, not most, but a lot of hairstylists and barbers come from like a background of like drugs or alcohol and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have that instant c- connection, right? Mm-hmm. And so then we'd introduce, but hey, and that would always come up. And then they'd just be like, their their head would turn the mic and that, they'd like lock in. And then, then they're like bros. And I'm like, Are I'm, like damn it. I should have done drugs when I was younger.
0: You oh know? my God. And then we have a connection point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, um, Uh, It was just funny, but I used to always get jealous of that because he'd always connect with all the big name people because a lot of them have those, you know, those upbringings, you know, where they go through a lot of, you know, trials and tribulations and stuff. But, um, but yeah, we ended up, he ended up introducing me to a lot of people, which was cool and it kind of boosted my connections and, and he saw the events I was doing in Utah and he's like, hey, we should team up. At first I was a little hesitant because like, like this is my baby, like I don't want anyone to be a part of it and da da, da da.
0: So you started the show just you first. No, so the cut
1: above shows were like Oh, your
0: cut above shows. And then he was like, Okay, you're doing all of this with your cut above show. Let's we- make it bigger yeah. and do the expo.
1: Yeah. And at first I was I was like kinda no, I don't wanna do it. And I actually was gonna do it with someone else in the industry that was kinda a big name um which i found out was kind of all fake like he had fake followers and all this other stuff and he really didn't have the presence that i thought he had Mm -hmm. Um, what
0: made you figure that out
1: so (laughs) i was because i'm big on whoever helps me out i i give them props and i i I show love to someone showed me a technique someone whatever i always make sure i show love to that person Mm -hmm. and so Mike had came up in subject, and I was showing him mad love because he just showed me love in, in that show, right? I'm like, I'm going to show him love and stuff. I'm like, he throws um, his little classes and stuff, and he's been in the industry, and he knows this person and that person and that person. Like he's dope, you know? Yeah. And and then all of a sudden, that guy switched and was like, I'm going to partner with Mike. He didn't even tell me. And Mike was like, hey, did you know about this? Mm. And I'm like, no, but that makes nothing to do with him. And it made me even cooler with Mike because he was cool enough to like.
0: Reach out to you and check with you of being like. Yeah. Are you cool with this? Yeah. Because
1: that to me that says a lot about himself and his and character. And his character. Yeah. And. Because he
0: could have just taken that opportunity. Because that guy had a bigger name than
1: me. Yeah. You know what I mean he had a way bigger. I mean it was a lot of it was fake but like he had yeah. a way bigger name than me. He could have easily went and partnered with that guy. You know what I mean?
0: He had a bigger ego than you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah.
1: um but then we ended up we saw each other like three or four more shows after that and then the last show that we saw each other at was the lv barber expo
0: so you and mike
1: S- yeah, you so- went
0: to the the las vegas barber convention yep and you solidified okay we're gonna do this
1: yep and so that's kind of the the starting point for the um for the show and so we from there we just kind of learned um mike had a couple friends that like knew a little bit but like we still had some big financial decisions and i remember he started off because he had he had money right mm-hmm. i was not in a finance position he was like how about we um like i'll put up i think it was like 70 30 right and i was like uh that sounds not good right because <laughs> i know how much work ethic i put in right i might not yeah. have the money yeah but i have the work ethic and so but I also understand the point of like money. You need money, right? Right. And it's like, if he's up the money, he should probably get a, a bigger portion, right? Um, and so what I ended up doing, I took out my first credit card. And I, I think I took out a loan as well because some of it had to be liquid, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, you know, let's go 50-50. And I was, it's crazy. That was like the one time in my life where I felt so sure something was going to happen even though, it was a lot of money right a lot of like hair shows are a lot like this last hair show i think i may have told you i think we ended up spending like i don't know one hundred sixty thousand, right like it was like a lot of money yeah to put up front um but in the beginning, it was definitely not that big um but we ended up going 50 50 and i remember um i put up all that money because i had to pay that money back but i, I had no doubt in my mind that we we're gonna make it back um Like, and I don't, it's crazy to think about because I had nothing, dude, Mm -hmm. um, to put up a a big portion like that is like,
0: but you believed enough in your work ethic that you had the confidence enough to know that you weren't going to let it fail.
1: Yeah. I I just, I had to make it happen. I remember hitting up, I hit up and you can ask Mike this, I hit up every single salon and barbershop. And the entire state that was listed on Google, because there's some that I probably missed that weren't listed, but listed on Google, I hit up every single one that year. Um, we got a lot of no's, right? Because that's what happens when you start mm-hmm. something. A lot of people just brush you off or whatever. Or sometimes you go and like the main person who makes decisions isn't there. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a bummer because like the owner usually, you know, somehow I'll go and the
0: owner's not there
1: and things get brushed Depends to
0: the on side. who walks through the door. Yeah. If the owner is there at my shop or not. <laughs> You're like, Who are you? Oh, what's, yeah, the owner's not here. What's your intention? <clears throat>
1: but um, yeah, I just have every single one from St. George all the way to Logan. I went to every single salon. Of and Black
0: what South year North. was that?
1: This was maybe 2019. I think 2019, maybe.
0: Cause last year was your fifth it show. Been fifth, yeah. If COVID didn't. So shut what
1: down. what year would that be? Five years ago.
0: Yeah, that would be two 2000... Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah two thousand nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of like maybe it's probably like the end of two thousand nineteen, maybe early 2020. but, but yeah, in that time period, um, just going and I remember just like I was living off my credit card because I wasn't working, um. Because they hit up every place in the entire state. It takes up a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so I was just living off my credit card. And I remember the first So you
0: quit Archie's then at that point? I didn't
1: quit. She was just very lenient, right? She was like, you can come and kind of go whenever you want. Okay. And I've been- And were you commissioned there or both? I was- I I think I've done both. But a lot of people, because I have good relationships with them- they kind of let me to either or, and they kind of were super lenient. And I think a lot of people just believed in me, mm-hmm. which I'm super thankful. So shout out to Archie and, and a lot of the other shops that I've worked at salons that have believed in me because it wouldn't have happened if they weren't flexible like that with me. So I'm thankful. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would work at the shop if I had a spare time or I needed some money or whatever. But most of the time I was just living off my credit card and I got up a lot of debt because gas, food, everything was on that. And, um, I remember I ended up with after the show, I ended up paying off all the debt and I I think I made like 300 bucks after everything after paying off all my debt and paying off everything. Um, And I was hyped because what we've kind of learned from some of our friends is usually your first show. Don't make anything. You go, no, you go way in debt. Like you go, you go deep in debt and um, for the big shows, right? I'm Mm -hmm. talking about like those big, big shows. And so When our friends heard that we didn't go into debt, they're like, you got something. Like Utah has a market. Yeah. Because for that to happen, your first show is like, you got to keep this up. Mm -hmm. And so that was motivation for us to keep going. And um, yeah, we just kept doing it. What
0: was your why? Like, what was your purpose of the show and bringing the show? Why did you want to have that show here?
1: So it's always been off education. And that's why I started Cut Above. It was actually out of anger. It's so funny. So many things have started out of anger for me. Oh,
0: dude. Anger is power. Talk about the best fucking revenge ever. Yes. Yeah.
1: I even when I became a teacher is because of anger. I remember I went to a class and I got so upset because the guy didn't realize there was barbers in the class. He thought it was all cosmos, but he was one of those guys that felt like they had to know everything. He had that huge ego. I could tell he didn't know the answer, so he, like, made something up. Oh, yeah.
0: I but love watching it, that, dude. Oh, it's so cringe.
1: It pissed me off to the point where I was like, you know what? I don't know everything, but I won't lie. Yeah. And so I was like, I'm going to be a teacher and show him what I know, and what I don't know, I'll point him in the right direction. Mm-hmm. That's or a- you'll figure it out. Exactly. Yeah. And so I applied to every school in Utah. They all told me no. And then... Um, to
0: be an educator at a beauty school? Yep. Okay.
1: They all told me no. And then one,
0: I think one of them, an
1: instructor, I don't know if people put people's business out there, but like it was like something really bad occurred. I don't know if it was with the law or something where they had to fire that person. And so they're like, shit, we don't have an instructor for the department. And then they called me up. And so I ended up getting a job because I was too, I think a lot of them because I was too young, I feel like. It could have been like an age thing. I'm not sure. So
0: did you go and get licensed to be an instructor before you applied at all these other... So did you go and get licensed to be an instructor before you started to cut above the rest or no? No, no, no. no.
1: So I applied after. And um, it's funny because after I saw that class... Oh, no, I lied. It was before. It was before. It was before I cut above. And I remember I applied... After that class, and I didn't even study, but I had so I think I told you in college one of my majors before I changed it six times was teaching. <laughs> yeah, and so I took it without studying, got like a ninety-six or something, which was way higher than my Cosmo and Bar- my Cosmo and Barber test. I got a seventy-four, which is the number you have to get to pass.
0: Oh, Okay, <laughs> you passed. <I> passed. <laughs> and then
1: the teaching one, it was like off the charts because it has nothing to do with hair. It always with learning styles and things like that. Okay. Um, and so I was like, Psh, I did this in college for years. I was like, cake. And so I ended up passing it after that. But so going back to a cut above, how it kind of started out of anger and the shows and the big expo um, was because um, the school I was working at, which was OTEC at the time, I butt heads because. It's a college, so they, they don't see hair like we see hair. Mm-hmm. They run it. They try to run it like a college thing, right? <clears throat> Which is frustrating, and um, they don't realize. For me, I was like, we don't know all the things. Like respect to all of my coworkers, but like there's other people that know a lot that can bring to the table, right? And so I think outside education is important, mm-hmm. and so they wouldn't pay for it though. Mm-hmm. And so I got so frustrated. I'm like, you know, I'm a tall student. I'm like, I'm gonna get you guys education. I'm gonna fly these people out. Duh, duh, duh. I'm gonna do it on my own. And then I realized how much that shit costs. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, and day <laughs> rates and all that stuff. I was like, it was a big learning lesson. Yeah. I went three grand in debt, but I promised these students, so I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna like, like go down on my word. So I went in debt for three G's, and um, brought these different educators out and had a, a thing for the school. And I was like, dope. Like I saw the, like, the light bulbs and just like the the gratitude and just like the thankfulness. And I was like, dude, I want to do this more.
0: And I'm sure they were better students after them, right? Yep. Like you saw them kind of change and want to experience and like elevate themselves. And then just like ignited something within them. Like yes. your first experience of going to a hair show, but like yeah. on a way smaller like scale of bringing in these high end. Educators yeah. to the school,
1: and these high-end educators—they don't go to schools. You know what I mean? The right. People that were the caliber people I was bringing—we're not going to schools and doing education. And
0: these people that you brought are people that you networked with from going and.
1: Yeah, yeah. From so some from hair shows and some, um, because that's what the company offered, right? Because um, I would just pay the companies or pay them or whatever it may be, um, and then there were some that I got from relationships. Um, that just were were had like I had like a discounted rate or like a homie hookup, or one actually came for free, which was really cool. That was like super love, and I'm thankful for that, and I'm still friends with him to this day. Um, but yeah, so it like that kind of just like I saw that I wanted to continue to bring education to Utah, and um, so I kept doing them every single year, and then the expo was the same thing. I was like, let's do education on a bigger level. Mike had a different. We were kind of a different. Um,
0: You go blow your nose? No, I'm good. good. Okay.
1: (laughs) We we were in different um, mindsets. Mike is very, everyone has different motivation, right? Mm -hmm. Mike is very motivated with money. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm very motivated with just like passion and and stuff like that, right?
0: Like what wakes you up in the morning and makes you want to live your life. That's your motivation.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So um, um, for me, for him, he's like, he saw money, right? He's like, there's a market he thinks like, he feels, and so he's willing to do it. And for me, I just saw a bigger platform to get more education and more stuff to Utah. Mm-hmm. So it's always been about education for me. Education is like just sparked, right? And it all sparked from that one class, you know, from being angry or the school and just that anger. And it just drove me to to do more things. So,
0: Well, and I don't think necessarily it's all about anger. It's just you believing that there's more to learn from and like there's more, you know that you can give so much more to other people that it's like frustrating for you when you watch somebody else kind of take that for granted or like take advantage of that and not show up and be the expectation that you have in your mind of an educator that you want to be. You know, and so in that moment, I'm sure you saw an educator and you studied in the class of everything and who you don't want to be by watching that.
1: One thousand percent. Yeah. And and I think, too, with success. Right. Like everyone has has a different definition of success. But for me, success is how many people have you helped in your lifetime? That's what success is to me and that goes with that right so it's like if i'm helping with helping people with their education and stuff and myself too cuz i learned a lot as well so i'm not going to act like i didn't cuz i i sucked at that time that first like 2000 whatever era like i i didn't know a lot so i was helping myself too but like that's that's kind of what kind of drove me to keep going was cuz like i saw the joy in people's faces i saw the light bulbs and so i wanted to keep going
0: yeah for sure okay so then You're doing beauty school. You're planning this show. Did you have your first show while you're at O-Tech still? So you're still going to O-Tech and you have your first expo. And when you started the expo, it was definitely more barber-based, right? With barber brands and all of that stuff. And it was on a way smaller scale back then. And then the next year, you wanted to dive more into Cosmo Mm -hmm. and that was because you then finished Cosmo school yep. by that next year and then you were shadowing towards the end of your Cosmo school. So let's talk about a little bit of your shadow, and what salons you went to and um, yeah, just elaborate on that.
1: Yeah. So for me, I wanted to shadow people that were doing stuff in the industry, right? So I had a very lack of knowledge of like, cause I didn't know who you were. I didn't know who, cause it was all new to me. Cosmo was, was, you don't some. know
0: who Jessica Powers is.
1: <laughs> I should have known. I should have known who Jessica Just Powers is. Just kidding. Um,
0: People probably think I have that big of an ego, but I don't.
1: <laughs> which I love about you.
0: Yeah.
1: Which, I, which I super <laughs> love. Um, But your name came up a lot. And I remember, um trying to think who else's name came up. Carolyn name came up um christopher benson's name came up uh amon carver um i'm trying to think there were some other ones too um but i told them i was like i want someone who's like into education and going to shows like i am mm-hmm. because those are the people i want to surround myself with mm-hmm. and so oh i remember jay-z styles as well i remember i mentored her just like everyone in Utah that was doing so, I remember uh, what was her name? She was with, I think, Cosmo Prof at the time. Um, Christina something.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. She on the salon in like a uh, draper, like down yeah. there. Yeah, she worked with Kenra. Kenra okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Christina so, like Co- Cartel. Or Cartel. Something? Yeah, something like that. But she so had yeah, the Harry Potter bathroom. She
1: did. Yeah. Which was dope. Yeah. <laughs> So I mentored all these people who I reached out. Um, Emin, I didn't reach, uh, I didn't um mentor with. And then Christopher Benson, um, I can't remember, but I think because he doesn't have a salon. So I think he was like, like, I don't know what you're gonna mentor. Like, I don't <laughs> have a salon, my guy. Um, but I ended up working with him later on, which was funny. But um people that had salons, I, I mentored them, like yourself and all and Carolyn and Christina. And um, all these different people. And, you know, some connected with, some I didn't, right? Obviously, me and you, you know, I didn't know at the time, but I didn't realize we would become so close. But I'm thankful that we did um, because you're you're super amazing. I'm I'm thankful for that. Um, But, yeah, that was really cool. But one thing I did learn was, like, a lot of it was, like, way ahead of – because I wasn't learning a lot in college school because of myself. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was, like, they were trying to teach me, which they should have, like someone who'd been in Cosmo School and done what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it was over
0: my head, but mm-hmm. I still
1: made cool relationships with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah,
0: like ours. So it was, it was really cool. Yeah, I remember you reaching out to me too, and i was just like yeah sure whatever come on in i mean i just feel like that's what we do with anyone that kind of reaches out for me with my travel and stuff now it's hard for people to get with just me but that's why we call ourselves like you know a creative concept salon and like continuing education is super important because literally everyone there is strong enough to be able to educate any student you know that walks into the door so even if you're not getting me you're getting somebody that has that same mentality you know that takes it seriously it is their passion and they want to be great at it and I feel like that's super important too because you know we get uh, burned out like as creatives you know and sometimes it's like this isn't my calling anymore or I've done this so repetitively that like I'm bored with it and I'm not giving myself the 100% that I used to give myself to educate because it's not giving me the fulfillment or like the drive or the anger or challenge or whatever to like, Prove yourself in a way uh, because you've already been doing it. So it's like you want to challenge yourself in a different way. And it was funny because we were talking off camera about just like our journey and how we have gone through things where it's like, okay, during this time I was sacrificing and I was doing this and I was busy. But now I'm getting to the point where I can kind of like customize and like hand pick The things that I am willing to like put my time to my time towards that like I'm I'm being more picky now with the jobs that I take or the education that I give or just knowing. That's why I said like there's power in knowing something that you don't want to do anymore because I think it's hard for you to say that you don't want it because there's that anxiety Or that stress of being like, well, fuck, did I just limit myself? Am I going to take a huge pay cut? Especially if you tell a brand that you don't want to do that anymore. Like, that's really scary to communicate that and then present them with what you want. Not knowing if that's what they're going to use you for or if there's even a position for that for you. So, um. Okay, so cool. You went and shadowed in salons. You came to my salon, you met me, and, and then um then you came back into the salon and started like collaborating. That's yes. when you started getting more into the salon. And I was like, Oh, Tyler's just working here now. I <laughs> didn't even interview him and he's here. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> So you were doing some collabs with Cosmo uh, people at that point, and were you still wanting to learn yeah, while yeah. you were doing those collabs to get more, like, hands-on in, in the actual, like, industry of what you're doing?
1: Yeah, because I think I had, like, a niche with, like, I knew a little bit of Cosmo, and then I had that barbering background, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I think a lot of people want to collab with me because not all cosmos but some cosmos they lack that kind of barber stuff so it's like and i lacked because i had a little bit but not a lot right and so i lacked the cosmos so we kind of helped each other out and i had like a little bit of a presence at the time right and so like that helped too because you want to cloud people that are on the same kind of you know and um it happened to be some people at your salon because you have i've traveled a lot of places but You have, like, the most, like, powerhouse salon that I've ever seen. It is so crazy. I call
0: it some misfits of Utah. I love
1: it. I freaking love it. And you always, it always attracted me, too, because I remember going sometimes, because I did feel like I was there a lot. Even I remember sometimes just going after work, because the school was close to your salon. Mm -hmm. I remember going sometimes and just, like, hanging out and, like, seeing the stuff that you guys are working on or sometimes you would bring friends from out of state to do stuff with. And it was just, it was just super attractive. You know Um, when I saw like, man, this is cool, you know, and they're into the same stuff that I'm into and going to shows and things like that and competition. That's another thing too, because a lot of barbers, even to this day, I don't know why it is, but I feel like a lot of barbers do not compete. And
0: because they feel like they have, they don't need to prove themselves, do you think? Or there's no money in it? Like, do, is it, is it something like that where they're not going to do it unless they're paid, you know?
1: I think it's a combination. I think some, for sure, like you said, is the money thing. But it's like, for me, it was like, Almost like a pat on the back. okay, you're doing you're doing a good job. You're at that level. or You're winning those trophies or whatever. It's like it was a self-assuring thing for me to like be like, okay, you're on the right path. You so
0: know? you did it for yourself. Yeah, you didn't do there. it for for anybody else or the validation of outside people. Because I feel yeah. like a lot of people that go into competitions and do that, they need the validation from whoever to like in their mind fill a void of the like self-worth and confidence that they're not like giving themselves and then they're like oh well if i win this and this brand recognizes me and sees me and all of my people that are in my same industry see me win this award then i'll have more confidence within myself and my skills but it really doesn't work that way.
1: <laughs> and, and for me, it was never about getting brand deals or anything like that. It was just like, because I have a passion for it, too. It's like, I just wanted to do it. I loved I've always loved to compete, you know, whether it was basketball or anything. I just I love to compete, you know, and it's um, and this is it's almost like track. You know, it's very like independent.
0: Yeah, you compete against yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so um, you're just you're doing better. And I saw myself doing better and better each year. And I saw my my progression of my work, right? Like, like, because when I did this stuff, I did photo shoots, right? And so, I would put my work side by side and be like, because almost like a like a, um, what do you do when you like you kind of reflect, mm-hmm. reflection thing? And I was like, damn, I see the progression. Because sometimes you get like you beat up on yourself, but I'm like, nope. No, I see
0: it's it. really good to go back and look back on things yes. of being like, this is my growth, you know? And that's why. You can scroll way back on my Instagram. Like, I I don't believe in, like, archiving stuff or deleting anything. Like, I have posts on there from, like, 2017, you know, with the mirrored image of shit, like, going way back, you know? And... I love seeing that not only for myself and keeping it on my page as well, because if people are curious, they can scroll right back and see that just cause you see this version of who I am today, doesn't mean I just came out of beauty school being who I am today. Like, yeah. and I'm not going to have it appear to be that illusion that I am this person now without showcasing where I have been because I'm proud of where I have been and what the journey that I've been on to get me to where I am today. So why that's like deleting pictures of your kids when they were babies, just because they're not babies anymore. You know, it's weird.
1: I wish I had some of my early, early stuff. Cause I used to have three Instagrams when I was in school. Cause I was just trying to hustle, but I had like, a, I had a photography Instagram. I had a barber Instagram then I had a modeling Instagram. Cause I would just do any type of gigs I could do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, But a lot of them were on my barbering Instagram, but I ended up deleting those two because my Molly one had the most followers. And so Mm.
0: that's back when the followers really like dictated your page and, and which one you were going to keep and stuff. So yeah, you saw more value in that. Yeah.
1: So I just shifted, you know, started doing content on that. And then, my friends had like started like an app, so I just gave them those two pages because they had a good amount, but just the Molly one had the most. And so they delete all the stuff on there because they're like, we're going to promote our apps, you know? And so I wish I had some of those, but I do still have some early stuff, but not like barber school, and I wish I had that because that's an amazing thing to be able to reflect that deep, you know? Yeah. And just show people like, hey, I was just like you. Look at my first haircut. You know, I wish I could do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Where you, I think it's it's super awesome that you have – that timeline of just all the way far back like that. So that's super cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I graduated beauty school in 2006. So I have like six years of not posting stuff (laughs) from the beginning, because, uh, we had like flip phones and like razors and shit when I first started doing hair and the camera quality was horrible and people would still come in and just go through the look book. Like, I remember I was actually one of the first artists at the commission-based salon that I worked at that self-promoted myself on my social media page wow. because it was a commission-based salon. Yeah. And I feel like with commission-based salons, they rely on the salon to bring the client through the door. Yeah. Right. Do. And I just did it because I wanted to showcase my art and I was seeing things on Pinterest, you know, Pinterest just started getting really big and stuff then too. And I was like, I wanna put my shit on Pinterest. Like, what if I can inspire someone across the world, you know, and have a color like mine, you know, and it was it was very small. I didn't really dive deep down into posting and taking pictures and stuff until Like right before I had my son, which was in 2000, probably like 2011, 2012 is really when Instagram started making its its appearance online and stuff. And that's when I started posting on then. But I didn't utilize it the way and I wish I would have. Uh, studied it and understood it more because I didn't understand hashtags. I never even tagged brands. It was just like I was posting my art yeah. on my page. It wasn't a business thing for me. And maybe if I was on my own, I would have taken it more seriously as a business and studied it. But because I was at a commission-based salon, it was just like, this is what I did for the day, you know? Yeah. Um, But it really, like... Building a clientele off of like Instagram and on Facebook really helped me when I relocated and moved. So, do you feel like when you went from your barber to your Cosmo world, like how did you switch up your page or your business that way?
1: Yeah. And it's funny because I graduated school right when Instagram had like came out. And I remember like starting to use it and post and stuff, but I wasn't using like you saying hashtags, and I wasn't doing a lot of the stuff you should have been doing. Mm-hmm. I was posting, but I wasn't doing you know all the things I needed to do. But um, it just literally was. I remember the first post I shifted. I think I think it was a pair of clippers I got, and that was like the first like non-modeling picture, right? Yeah. <laughs> that I, I I posted I believe, and um, it kind of started going from there because you know I think it's it's good to show more than just haircuts. You want to show, you go into classes, you want to show, you know, you get an awards, you want to show tools you got or whatever, and just show who you are, the passion that you have, and um, that it's not just haircuts. Cause for me, I don't like looking at just haircuts, you know, Yeah. but um, it's crazy, you know, kind of going back when you said lookbooks, it made me think about when I was in Japan, um, I was legally working at a salon for a little bit. Um, my mom's friend or her stylist, was doing hair and she let me like sweep a little bit. And I started like doing hair legally for a little bit when I was in Japan. Um, but uh, they had lookbooks. I remember because the hairstyles there were not the same as the US of A. Okay. <laughs> um, it was a lot. It's funny because I almost feel like they were ahead of their times. Yeah. I saw a lot of color, like a lot, a lot, of like fashion colors um, just all over. Right. And um, I saw for the men's side, um like crops and stuff that were like you know got big here 5 years ago they had already been doing that like way way back you know 2010 whatever that had already been i remember telling a client like hey you should get this haircut they're like what the hell is that you know yeah and then it's funny cuz later on it came popular in the US right um i saw a lot of like like very textured stuff a lot of messy stuff but that wasn't cool for men's i don't know how the beauty industry was but for men's haircutting that was not cool you know and I remember too some of the haircuts because it's catered to like certain you know like Asian type hair. There was like pompadours, but like this was just cut off. There was no blend. It was just like long hair slicked back and then like cut off mm-hmm. because with with um like hair, like hair like that, like it'll just like stick out, right? Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's harder to fade, right? Yeah, it needs to be longer for it to lay down. And so um, I had never done some of those hairstyles, you know, and and um. It was interesting to see the difference, but it's funny you said lookbook because I I totally forgot about lookbooks. But, like, you as a client, you would open up the thing and, like, Uh look at the pictures. Uh That's how it used to be. Uh Like, it's it's crazy. The
0: three-layered haircut with the flipped out and then the bangs that were, like, to hear, (laughs) you know? And the Jennifer Aniston cut and all of that stuff. Like, yeah, people would just sit down and they would look at this dated Lookbook. I think the lookbook was from the eighties. Oh yeah, yeah, like super out of like date, right? Like permed and like yes. horrible. I mean, perms aren't horrible, <laughs> but not not the style or aesthetic that I was going for, right? Yeah. Or wanted in my chair, anyway. So that's why I started posting, like, on my social media, was to yeah, I guess attract the clients and stuff that I was doing. And I think it helped, too, that uh, the salon that I worked in was a commission-based salon. And with commission-based salons, they work with brands, they get points, you know, they get some kickback from how much they order and all of that stuff. So we would get continued education, like, every three months. They would come in, they would shut down all the shops, and we would go to... A bigger location or like a hotel with a conference room or whatever and we would get classes and so that's how I learned how to first balayage you know because when I learned hair in beauty school it was in 2006 and it was Kelly Clarkson like chunky highlights that everyone was doing as foil work completely I never hand painted or painted anything outside of a foil before you know these, this balayage and stuff started coming around. And um, when I would take the classes, I would learn something new and I would document it, you know, and then that's when I would start posting and doing all of that is also to like track myself of the new techniques and also show people that I am investing my time. And I am learning something new. And I did do this class. And so you're going to see this online of this trending. Well, you're going to see that I just did this class. So you're going to trust more in me as your artist to go to because you know that I just learned how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's there's a lot for that, too. So then, okay, so then.
1: Well, but before we keep going. Yeah. I'm curious. Because you do everything, right? But, yeah. Um, you definitely—it seems like from my perspective—you love vivids, right? Mm-hmm. Even though you do everything. Mm-hmm. And um, what? Because you just told me now that vi- you didn't start off doing vivids. No. So what sparked that for you? What was like? Ooh, I like this. Like.
0: Well, I think. Okay, so I Pravana was like the OG of vivids, right? And like the salon that I worked in and and stuff. Like, we we were first a Redken salon and then we switched over to Wella and then we had Pervana just in case someone wanted peekaboos is what we called them back through back then where there were just like a few pieces like popping through you know and I always loved doing that but it was like one color right because back then Vivid's Were ran everywhere, stained everything. You couldn't do multiple colors or else it would look fucking horrible when you rinsed it, you know. And there wasn't education like there is now, you know, back then, back 17 years ago, there was no YouTube, there was no Instagram, there was none of that stuff. So it was like you kind of just did what you learned in person not anything online right or like what people just came in asking for is just what you had to deliver and being from California you had to be really fucking good at blonding because everyone wants to be a blonde bitch in California you know so I got really good at blonding color corrections were my jam um but I always for my hair personally I had little peekaboos of color. My hair has always been kind of dark and I added blues like underneath my bang or like reds, but still really like conservative, not way out there. And then when I moved to Utah, um, we moved to Utah, not knowing one person. I had never even been to Utah when we moved here. So I had no idea even what it looked like. And I actually Googled online what you should do as a hairstylist when you're relocating to rebuild. And one of the first things that Google said was color your hair a bright color. And people will ask you and automatically will compliment your hair or say something about your hair. Right. Because it's so different. So, like, the next day, I went and got, like, a red-violet color, but bright. I think it was Pravana or maybe Joico. I think Joico Intensities had just come out at that point. And um, I made my hair, like, bright red just over my natural, like, looking balayage that I had. And sure as shit, I went to, like, Roy Day's like that next weekend because we moved here in like august like the first week of august and utah every city has a days, you know and so we went to roy days like a little festival and people were commenting and complimenting my hair and at that point i just started handing my cards out you know left and right and then when i started doing hair in Utah and doing clients and stuff. It was like color corrections, blonding, everything that I already knew I was good at, right? And I knew I could check that off my list and build a clientele off of what I knew I was good at. And then it actually wasn't until I opened Blank Canvas and started getting more into the pulp riot world That I was like, all right, well, I've kind of checked these things off my list. Like, I feel like I know how to do color corrections. I know how to balayage. I know how to do a platinum card, a full head foil. I know how to do baby lights and highlights and face frame. I want to learn how to do these fucking rainbows. You know, like I was watching and seeing things on Instagram and, and getting more into the pulpit world that like I really wanted to push myself to do something different because I I hate being stagnant. I always want something to challenge that challenges me to work towards. And I felt like creative color was a challenge for me. And then it was a challenge to get a clientele like that. Because a lot of people when I came and made Blank Canvas were telling me that I was going to have a hard time having more of a not conservative like salon in Utah, you know, because of how conservative it is and and the religion base and all of that stuff here that I was like, all right, well, I feel like this will be a challenge for me to see how many clients I can get to shove it back in people's face out of anger of someone telling me no like don't fucking tell me no (laughs) I'm gonna prove you wrong through action that I can you know just because you said I couldn't (laughs) so that's what really challenged me was doing that and then I think I just fell in love with it Of what type of clients that attracts and how it made me feel more confident within myself that I could show up and be a version of myself of who I want to be, despite what other people's opinions were. And I feel like that type of clientele that gets creative color and more vivid color, um, don't give a fuck you know, they're, they're very confident within themselves and they know that people will say things and they know people will look at them, but like, they don't care. And I feel like they come into the salon bringing that same energy that like, I connect really, really awesome with my vivid clientele. And that doesn't go against my blonding or anyone else either. But I feel like my clients sometimes need to apologize to me that their hair is boring, quote unquote. And I'm like, I love doing your hair, regardless of whatever color it is, you know, I love doing hair, it's my passion. And honestly, like vivid and creative color brings out the inner child in me more. I feel like we have two sides of our brain, right? You have your left side and your right side of your brain. And I feel like your blonding, your technical stuff, your your color corrections come from one side of your brain. And then I feel like your creative work, your line work, your detailing, um, your more artistic stuff comes from the left part of your brain or whatever, the other side of your brain. And it stimulates something different within you that makes you feel differently inside. And because I know myself so well that like I know it brings out more of a fun, lighthearted version of me versus a super serious, super technical version of me, if that makes any sense.
1: No. yeah, 1,000%.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's dope. Yeah, yeah. I
1: was I was super curious because, like you said earlier, like you, you didn't really know how you – or I didn't really know how you got into to Vivids because that's kind of like your thing, but that's cool, like your kind of journey with Vivids and stuff.
0: It was just kind of like with you of how you were feeling, like, limited in the barber world, and then you went to Cosmo. Like, I feel like it was just my journey of doing hair for so long, and I think when you move and start over – and be- when you become a mom, too, like, I knew that if I was leaving my family to go to a job that I am super passionate about, I want to be able to do things and have it worth it, like, for me to be able to do those things. And I always just love to do something new. I hate being stagnant. I like change. Um I hate to feel like I'm limited in any sort of way. Like, I don't ever want to feel like a client shows me a picture that is realistic for them, but I don't know how to achieve that because I haven't obtained that skill. And I think that really resonated with me so much because... I was at a commission-based salon when I first started and then I left the commission-based salon and then I went to a studio for two years in California and it was, it was bad timing. I went to a studio like when I was seven months pregnant with my son and I couldn't take a maternity leave at all cause I was part owner of the studio. And so I literally went back to work when my son was two weeks old after I had a C section, because I just couldn't afford to take more time off, you know? Yeah. So I'd never really got that time to like be a mom with my son. And then I actually almost left the hair industry altogether, like after that happened, because I felt like I started to resent it, um, because I felt like. I had to go to work to provide and my passion was really with becoming a new mom and figuring that out that I had lost that passion a little bit for hair, you know, of priorities anyway. And when I was in a studio salon for two years alone, you know, you're, you're more isolated and this is, you know, back in 2015 when this happened or 2013 when this happened, um we still didn't have the online presence that we do now you know with education and all of that stuff so i felt very isolated and people were coming in my clients anyways and they were referring new people and they were coming in and they were asking for their hair and showing me these pinterest photos and i had no idea how to execute it for them because at that point i had been in the studio salon for a year and a year in the hair world is a long time of trends and things Uh, coming and going. And that's actually when balayage first started getting really big over here in 2013. And I had no idea how to balayage. I had no idea. And, um, so after two years I went back and humbled myself and re-interviewed and went back to the salon that I left to go to a studio, to go back to a commission-based salon because I saw the value and how much education I was getting and how much it made me a better stylist and also realized how much I probably jumped the gun of taking that risk and, and doing that. So that's why I was really passionate about doing classes and educating because I always feel like I want to be the educator or mentor or friend that I never had for myself, like in the beginning time of starting hair and yeah, I just think I just wanted something new. And even now, like, and I feel like that's kind of just your journey. Like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, doing a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, I, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing to open a salon. Yeah. I didn't know what the fuck we were doing moving here. Yeah. But I trusted in my work ethic yeah. enough that I would figure it out, you know? And to me, I don't think anything's a failure if you discover something yeah. with it it's and discover it. something good or bad, you know? And that, to me, is what life is about, is taking risks. But you have to be able... To know that if you're taking that risk, that's also your responsibility. It's no one else's responsibility Except you. off of that choice that you're making. Yeah, yeah. And you can't put it on other people that you made that choice. True. Because it's not their fault. <laughs> right, right. And you're, you are the only person that's in control of your life. That's
1: right.
0: Yeah. All right, so we've talked about like your starting process and your journey and all of that stuff. So like what what is Tyler doing now?
1: Tyler now has, you know, I feel like I've, we've kind of talked about putting a lot of work for years and years and years, you know, seven, eight years. I feel like going to like shows after shows after shows after shows and classes and networking. And I did the tours. I did a state side. I did a, you know, a nation, not nationwide, but like I did a 10 state tour, which is really cool. And that was a confidence thing for me. Cause that was my first time getting like financial backing from brands. And they actually believed in me. Mm-hmm. Um, then I had the expo and, I feel like I've done a lot of the avenues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I do a little podcast clips too, and I've interviewed interview people, and um, I've kind of done a lot, but now I'm kind of at a point where it could just be this season, right? Um, but right now I'm really focused on my health um, and just mentally, physically being good mm-hmm. and um, financially being good because a lot of people don't realize that, like, I, I thought... <sighs> I thought a lot of these big name people were behind the chair. A lot of them are, not you know, I know me and you, we juggle it. Yeah. But a lot of them don't. Like they have like salary positions with these companies or or whatever it may be. And so they're not behind the chair too. And that's something that I realized later on um, that, you know, I'm a little, we're a little crazy. Yeah, we're (laughs) a little
0: crazy. So how do you balance that then? Like being behind the chair and and with your clients and then doing all the things that you do with brands and posting and stuff
1: to be honest there wasn't a balance like i i um i was i had sleepless nights and like um it was and that's something that i feel like i was lucky enough to do at the age that i was at because if i had to do all that again starting now it would be rough.
0: Yeah, but I'm talking about like right now too right now? because okay. you are still working With behind brains. the chair and you're still doing your posting and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So like do you feel like you have more balance now than you did then? And what a how is your mindset different now versus then?
1: Well, now I feel like I don't have as much to prove because I've I've done the networking and stuff, so I know everyone. And if there's someone I don't know, I guarantee I know someone who knows that person who can introduce me, right? Mm -hmm. So I've put in that, you know, seven, eight years of just like doing all that stuff. And so now I've kind of taken a step back and started focusing, like I said, on my health and financial and stuff like that.
0: Well, and and we were kind of talking about like off camera a little bit too before this was about. How like we needed to like our whole identity was hair for a while,
1: yeah, and that's kind of how it has to happen. A lot of people who are been in the same position that we are, they went through that period in time where they just hustled for years and years and years, and they got to a point where they like you know they they felt confident in their skills, they felt confident in their network, they felt good with their you know relationships with brands and stuff, which I feel like both of us are at mm-hmm. and um so yeah, now, like I said, I'm just, I'm focused on that. What, what do you feel like you're focused on right now?
0: I feel like I'm focused more on the things that fulfill who Jessica Powers is. And going back to my why, um, because we, I got into hair because yes, I love doing hair, but I love being able to be a positive impact in people's lives. And, you know, people say I'm like wise and shit and like older, like above my years and like an old soul and stuff like that. And I just feel like I really like to hear people and hear their stories. And then I feel like I have a good mindset and like perspective on things that like I love to help people and help them through with their hair, help them through life. I'm super strategic. I love to problem solve. And um, if people present me with a problem, I'm like, there's always going to be a solution. (laughs) You just have to figure out what you're willing to like risk or give up to find a solution to a problem, you know? And I just feel like where I'm at right now is not doing um, quality or quantity of work is doing quality of work and what that means. Because like what I've talked to you about is, you know, you were like, how did you build your page? (laughs) How did you get the numbers that you did? Crazy. And I posted every two to three hours crazy for like two years straight
1: you're a beast
0: and that was before drafts was even a thing on Instagram
1: I didn't even think about that
0: yeah I didn't draft anything I had to go through retag rehash tag every post every time I went to post I, it was that much energy that I was putting in wow. now ask me if I was a good wife. At that point and asked me if I had time to like mentally give my time to myself or anything else. Like I had, I was giving so much to my business and so much to my Instagram and so much to the brands and DMing people being so responsive. Like I would reply back to every comment. I reply back to every DM Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. To get my engagement to be that much on the algorithm, you know, because I really wanted my page to grow because back then this is back in, you know, 2018, wow. you know, 2017, 2018. And I had to open the salon at that point. So like, not only was it just representing me and myself as my brand, I was also building the brand of what the salon is and not only building the brand of to try and get clients in there, but trying to attract the right stylists that would want to work with somebody that was putting out the work that I was putting out, you know, yeah. and attracting those people. And I was building like, in my mind, what I thought success was at that moment, that moment in time was my follower count. I put a lot on my follower account. And I think a lot of people did yeah. for a long time because that's what brands were looking at. Yeah, yeah. And to me, I felt like, well, that's what I wanted. You know, I worked um, at Av Salon with Carolyn for like three months and she was getting her way up into like the BTC team and stuff at that point. And she was receiving all of these boxes. You know, I would see all of these boxes come in the back of the salon and it was just brands just shipping shit to her for her to post about it, you know? And in my mind, I'm like, I want to, I want to free shit. I want to do that. Being so naive, not knowing that there is an expectation and work that comes with everything that you're sent yep. you know that's yep. that's where you're kind of um the spectator or the audience that's just watching it without understanding that there's work that goes with that it's not just you're handed that for free and congratulations and you don't after ever it's like It's almost like if you get a present from someone random, this is how I feel. Like a gift or a present for someone random. And then automatically you kind of get that anxiety where you're like, fuck I didn't get them anything now I feel like I gotta get them something or like do a shout out on social media or like something to make them feel and I know it's me internally that like is putting that pressure on myself right but I feel that way every time I get a box now Every time I feel like I have to post it, I feel like I need to do content for them. Even if it wasn't something that was even said to me that I had to do, I still feel like because of my work ethic that I want to be that person to to brands, you know, to like say thank you and, and not take it for granted because I also have been in that position where I was just a you know, a stylist and seeing someone that was higher up than me get those things and then know that I wanted it like for myself. So I don't ever like take that for granted, you know, and I feel like with winning one shot and stuff too, that also made me realize like, you still have to work, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're still not handed things. You're still not. You know, it's like I think sometimes in your mind you're just like you're so focused on your goal and reaching your goal that like after your goal, you reach your goal, then you're sitting in this place of like okay, what now? Like I reached this, now what am I going to do? Do I take a break? Do I take a step back? Do I breathe? Do I just move on to the next thing? And then what does that next thing look like for you? Because that's different. I mean, it's like the second you have a kid, people are asking you if you're going to have a second one. You know, you open a, a business and people will ask you if you're going to open a second location. And I'm like, bro, I can barely even freaking take a pee right now with how much I'm busy. I can't open a second location, but they don't know what your life is and what you're doing with your time. They're just seeing you in their eyes, you being successful. And then it's like, oh, well, are you going to ride that success more? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? Without realizing that just because you have those things doesn't mean that you're happy or fulfilled or um, financially stable either, because I think a lot of people see people as entrepreneurs and, of and leaders and stuff. And there's a lot of responsibility with it, but with being an entrepreneur and owning a business, like I invest everything back into my business. Yeah. And that's why I work so hard behind the chair because, and take clients because I have to be a source of income for my family you know and then the salon is booth rent and we only have so many stations at the salon so there's a cap off the off that of how much we're able to make you know and everything that we make off of booth rent really does go back into the salon with how expensive everything is from electrical and back bar and doing shows and doing dinners and getting the booth at the BT or at uh, the Salt Lake, you know, expo and stuff like it's, it's very expensive to run a business.
1: a oh, 1000%. A lot of people, I, I feel like now, more than ever, when I do stuff, I always try to imagine it in their shoes because there's always stuff that's behind the scenes people don't know about.
0: You yeah, know? and I was super naive. And I'm I'm happy that I was naive though, because if I wasn't naive and I actually knew, I don't think I would have taken the risk. You know?
1: I feel that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of things in my life were like that. And I'm thankful for that, you know? Yeah. Cause it is like even when I was talking about the the <laughs> the forging the paperwork. If I would have known, you know, that that was super illegal, I probably wouldn't have done it. And then a lot of this stuff would have never happened. Right. So it's like, it's, those are blessings for sure.
0: Right. And it's like, I don't know, I guess when you're younger, you're also more naive of like the future and what that can do. Like for you that you're like, so in the moment of like the, now that you're so more willing to take those risks when you're younger where I think there's more stigma of like taking risks and doing things when you're older, because now it's like, Oh, well you're approaching 40, you know, are do you have money for your retirement? Do you have money for your kids schooling and all of this stuff? Because it's getting to a point where you can't be so like reckless with doing risks and stuff like that. But to me, and maybe it's just because of my work ethic and everything that, of who I am I know that if something is making me feel passionate and making me feel like I will be successful in doing it that I know because of my standard of expectation of who I am and what I put on myself because I'm in competition with no one else but myself that I know if I fail I won't (laughs) because I won't allow myself to, you know? And then there's nothing worse than having to answer to yourself because there's no one else to blame when you take risks. It's that's your choice of how you're choosing to live your life, you know? So either it's up to you to make it or break it. And also if you break it, like what'd you learn like during that process? And I think it's okay to kind of go through this journey, you know, like, I also had no idea what owning a salon was like and what came with that and the challenges and the mentorship and the responsibility and all the weight, even though it is a booth rental salon, like I tell everyone that's at the salon is that like you were still under the umbrella of blank canvas as the brand even though you're representing yourself individually you're still representing the brand as a whole and it can affect anyone else around you
1: 1000 percent. you all got to be on the same page the same wavelength like because if one person one person can be a cancer you know i know you've probably dealt with this before oh
0: <laughs> yes she's
1: So I think everyone has to be, you know, passionate and stuff and and be on that same page, which I feel like you've kind of, you know, developed now. You have a whole crew that's just powerhouse, same page, very passionate, love what they do, willing to help each other out, willing willing to help others. They do classes. And it's just like, it's it's an amazing, like, brand and group of people that you guys have now.
0: Yeah. But with great, you know, power comes great responsibility, too. And like... I feel like a lot of that has to come from the leader, right? Yeah. And you set the example, yeah. right? You set the example of what's allowed and also what's not allowed, you know, and your expectation and like who you as, are as a person. If I was just sitting in the salon just talking shit and gossiping all day, then all everyone else in the salon would think that that was okay, you know, yeah, to me, do. But-
1: Eaten by example
0: yeah so it's made me grow as a person and it's it's been hard you know like I've had to face some challenges and some things like within myself um of the way and like when you're first starting out too I have abandonment issues also <laughs> growing up so like I think when you're raised without a dad especially as like a little girl you know like for a long part of my life in the beginning I was kind of that person that was like oh just pick me I just want to be picked you know Mm. instead of being like oh um this is what I have to offer and like showing up like that way. It's a different type of energy, right. Of kind of being the the last person on the basketball team that gets picked, you know, I've been in that situation before where I was last when chosen, you know, and it's a shitty feeling too. But also what was I doing to like make myself stand out? And I feel like that's a big challenge too when it comes to building your brand and who you are as a hairstylist, especially with younger, newer people coming out is they don't know who they are yeah. as a brand. Yeah. And just even opening like that conversation up, a lot of the times they're just like, oh, I don't know. It even comes down to picking your Instagram name, you know, of your branding and how you want to be responded to and answered to and all of that stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that.
1: Well, I, I agree with you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know where we're going either.
0: Yeah, we're I, just talking. <laughs>
1: as we usually do. As
0: we usually do.
1: <laughs> but I totally agree with it. But, I, you know, it makes me think of, you know, this is something that – um. I talked to one of my friends about recently, but you know, with like um picking your, you know, you talk about picking your username and, and and different things and branding yourself, you know, I think that's important, but I also think it's important not to let that stand in your way. Like, yeah. I think you should just start. Like right now we're using phones. Right. There's no fancy camera in here, right? Yeah. Like so it's like just start it and growth mm-hmm. will happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people use it as a cop out. Mm-hmm. I don't have a fancy camera mm-hmm. or I don't have a cool name that I can't think of one or whatever. It's like just start. And you can grow along the way, right?
0: Right. Well, and I think a lot of the times too, when you put your place yourself in such a place of perfectionism, that really limits you, right? As an artist too. Cause I know for a long time everyone was so analytical of their grid and how their grid on Instagram looked. You know, like you had to aesthetically have it look the same way where you do you remember when everyone did three in a row of the of the pictures where it was like the same head, but like different angles or whatever. And you had to do it three in a row. So then every, like it looked so aesthetically like pleasing to the eye. And I feel like that's, what's changing a lot in our social media world too, is people don't want perfect anymore. They want, to see truly authentically like who you are. And yes, we strategically have to post it and do it a certain way to make sure that we're not overloading the algorithm or so people that are meant to see it given a chance to receive it. Um, But you've always been really good with your humor on your page. Which was another thing. I was like, we need to talk about that too, um, because i I have put in, I've put myself. I am responsible for putting myself in such a place of perfectionism that I feel like I limited people to actually know me more personally, yeah, and my personality. And I said for a long time, like, I don't want to be famous. I want my hair, the hair I do to be, you know, I was hiding behind the hair I did because I was scared and I lacked self-confidence within myself. Right. So following people that inspire me like yourself and just seeing how authentic you are and also like how you don't give a shit and how you get negative comments and like you call me and we laugh about it, you know? So like, let's talk about that a little bit of like how you essentially like don't care, but know yourself so well that like you care so much and so strong about yourself that like the negative comments or if it doesn't resonate with people don't really have an effect on you.
1: Yeah. Like, um, it's funny. It came from like, having a goal of posting every day, right? And um, to do that, you gotta be really creative, right? Um, Cause sometimes, you know, you don't have as much content you want on one subject or you just don't have access to do it or whatever it may be. And it made me show all parts of myself. And when I started doing that journey, I realized how much I loved it and how freeing it was and how I didn't care what people thought anymore. Cause I used to be in this like, Editorial box where it was yeah. like editorial, editorial. I thought that was which my is whole. a
0: perfectionism type of place, right? Because you have a photographer who's a professional, a makeup artist, yep. a hairstylist, a hair colorist, yep. a wardrobe person, yep. all on set. That like one hair can't be out of place, or yep. else the whole thing is it's off. Is off, yeah.
1: It's it's crazy and. I wanted to do other things because I mean, I think off camera, like I make jokes, I do other things. And it's like, I started to be okay with showing myself. And when I really started doing it a lot, I had some negative stuff, but it's like, it didn't really phase me. I was like, you know, this is who I am. If you don't like it, cool. Then, you know, unfollow me, whatever, you know, um, the feeling of being myself was way greater than like other people's negativity. And, um, to be honest, oh, I
0: love that. Being myself is way greater than other people's negativity. That should be your slogan.
1: (laughs) But yeah, it was super freeing setting that goal for myself. I'm glad I I did like a little thing was like a little over a year, like a year and three months of posting every day. But I got to show all parts of me, you know, Um, the parts that I feel like I liked the most were my funny side and then the podcast type stuff because I think I've hit a point where like, I've done haircutting for so long. I want to vocally help someone and start. And just the reason I started answering questions and stuff like that, I've been finding more enjoyment. And I'm just like talking about my experiences and, and doing that type of stuff as well now that I've had all this stuff happen, you know, and maybe help someone skip some steps and get better with their journey, you know. And um, I found a lot more famil- fulfillment um, in that stuff. But, yeah, shout out to Marvy Marv because he's the one that's course I took on social media. And he's the one that was like... Just post, man. Just post every day. And that kind of inspired me to like start posting whatever I wanted. And I did, like I said, the funny videos, the unboxings. Because some, some people don't like certain parts of me. Then I'm like, just don't follow me. But these are all parts of me. That I enjoy, and this is what my page is gonna consist of. And, and I'll, it might change later on. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll start posting some hippie shit or something. I don't know. Like <laughs> me taking ice plunges or cold plunges Oh or whatever.
0: my God, you and <laughs> your cold plunges. Um, I'm like, wow, you really like to be tortured, huh? Okay, here we are. Fucking 20 degrees, getting in like a 19 degree he he gets his hammer out and like hammers the ice off of this bath before he gets in at like 6 a.m and i'm like okay you just but it fulfills it does something for it, you
1: exactly and yeah i'm all about you know being myself and stuff and i think we're both at those point where it's like you know we don't care what people think and we just want to do what's best for us and we want to you know um, just be happy all around. And, and really, for me, I had to like, I had to take a step back and think about what brings me joy now? Like what? And I, I went like deep, like, like back to when I was super young. And, and one thing that resonated with me was like basketball, which actually helps with my kind of aligns with me trying to be in shape this year. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of my cardio, but it's something that I enjoy too. So I do the basketball, I do the cold plunges and that's something newer, obviously. I didn't grow up, you know, coming out of the womb doing cold plunges, but, mm-hmm. but I've been enjoying that. That's helped me with my mood. And this is my first year not being sick in Utah, which has been dope. So my immune system, it's helped me in a lot of ways. Um, but also still doing other stuff and, and expanding my channel to like, like I said, doing the podcast stuff. Cause I've just been, I think both of us have been resonating with just like talking more and just sharing our experiences, you know? Um, yeah, I of- feel
0: like getting the human connection too, you know, like that's really what made me want to do it too. It's not only just like our conversations, but I just wanted it to be super authentic and I know that you kind of feel this way too. like automatically when our phones come out and we're recording and we're just staring at our phones, it's, it's coming from a place that is like still you, but it's like the rehearsed version, professional version of you. And it doesn't, it kind of makes me cringe when I watch myself. You know what I mean? You feel that. Especially certain
1: types of content. Certain
0: types of content. And it's like you do it because it's a job and and this is what's being asked for you. And it's still a version of you, but it's not the version of you of like independently where you want to take yourself. You know, you're doing it as a job, you know? And for me, that's where I wanted this year to kind of go is to fulfill truly like me and the relationships and friendships that I've made with networking and just me being me. And, you know, the second I feel like I get deep pretty fast, you know, in conversations if they're receptive to it, you know, I feel like that's the thing, too. Some people don't want to share. And that's why I asked you, you know, can we share about your past and and being in the car homeless and stuff because some people don't want to share that. And Mm -hmm. I'll respect that. Like that's totally fine. Um, But I feel like that's really what I wanted to get out of the podcast is just bringing more of the human form of it and showing more authentically of like who the artists are. Yes, we can talk about hair. Yes, we can talk about these things but i want to focus more on like your mindset and like how you've gotten to the place that you're at now and how you've gotten through some struggles and some things and like where you pull from when things get hard you know and i feel like for hair and for owning a salon and for mentoring and educating and you know i just got back last night from la and now we're here doing this podcast and stuff like I do all of this because it makes me want to wake up in the morning and it fulfills me. And I also am helping other people. And to me, that's that's how I've stepped into where I'm at now, where also I feel like everyone can go online and watch a technique Yeah. at this point. That I feel like this is where things are kind of morphing to is people are going to resonate and want to follow you once they start having an emotional connection with you. And we were kind of talking about that too of like when you were on a podcast and you said something on that podcast that really resonated with people and you were like, well, I was just being authentic, you know, and saying what I wanted to say in that moment. And, um, you felt it and your audience like felt it.
1: Yeah. And I got like crazy responses from it. I know you've, you've had the same reaction from people too.
0: Tyler, we can sit here and talk all night, (laughs) but let's wrap this up for right now. And then check out our next episode in two weeks. And drop us some questions of anything you resonate or comments that you want to hear or whatever, you know, and go from there.
1: This is probably the easiest flowing podcast I've ever, been. like, just because it's me and you. Yeah. And like, because I've been on different, you know, Heritage Street and different ones, um, but this one has flowed the absolute easiest. I'm not going to lie. I was a little scared because every other one has had like a some kind of a, even a little bit of a blueprint you know or like a, a game plan but i you seem like you were like we got this it sounds like all right i'm 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 going with the same energy uh-huh. and um it definitely was that which was super cool it just flowed so easy
0: yeah i agree thank you for being on the first powerful and poised podcast and why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you
1: Oh, you guys can find me at Tyler underscore Kelbert on all platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, threads, Pinterest, you name it. Um, but thank you, Jessica, for having me. This has been super, super amazing. And I feel honored to be the first one. So thank you.
0: Thank you.